0: Winnipeg Sports
1: Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus.
2: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a glorious Friday, long weekend edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And yes, uh, just a PSA, there will be no show on Monday. We don't do shows uh, on long weekends. Michael Remus here hosting... Hustler. Hustler away fishing at Aikens Lake. Well-deserved day off for him. Great Friday with the Blue Bombers winning last night in front of 30,000 plus at IG Field. Uh, huge party last night. Great weather. Had a great time at the game. It was a huge anticipated matchup against uh, who were leading the West Division at the time, BC Lions. And tonight, heading into the weekend, the Bears playing their first ever playoff game Hosting Edmonton, 8 p.m., Canada Life Center. Big hack show today. Lots of guests. Be joined by Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com shortly. Ken Wiebe of Sportsnet and Kenny and Rennie. Uh, pleased to be joined by CEBL Commissioner Mike Morreale. Just on the Seabears' success this season. Gold eyes GM Andrew Collier. Big week for them here next week. Uh, Lee Hacks, a Hamilton NFL Hall of Fame game last night. Chris Drevler Got in. He went one for seven, but we'll be touching on uh, training camps and uh, this year's Hall of Fame class. And Kurt Quantois, a Cineboy down 75th Manitoba Derby on Monday if you're looking for something to do. Big thanks, sponsors Modern Man, Barbershop. Take my son there for a haircut after the show. Aquatech, Manitoba Battery, Canadian Club. Hope you enjoyed the CC and Gingers last night at the game. Vita Health, Wallace and Wallace, F Apparel. The Nick and Nicky, DQ Franchises, Princess Auto, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, The Gold Eyes, The Cinnaboy Downs, Aikens Lake, and Little Brown Jug. Also, Breezy Bend. I see everyone in chat. What is going on? Yes, stay tuned for the end. We will have a marble race. Of course, it is Friday. Another week of work's gone by, and I'll attempt a live Puck Doku, uh, a live Puck Doku. So there we go. Uh, What a night last night at IG Field. You know, we talked all week. Biggest, actually for two weeks, we were talking this game up. Biggest game of the year. A close matchup. We, you know, put a survey out in the chat. What do you think the scores are going to be? I was like, I don't know, 24-21. You know, we couldn't figure out all week how the Cool Bed had the Bombers as minus six favorites. Uh this is why Vegas I know something seemed fishy. Vegas seemed to new or cool bet knew something about this game because um you know two teams fighting for the western division title, you know possibly the chance to host the West Final on the line last night, and you know we saw the first meeting of the year back in june b c just outclassing the bombers uh winning thirty to six we talked to Rasheed Bailey, on this program earlier this week, and he said he saw people leaving early at Investors Group Field, IG Field. He hadn't ever seen that before. Um, the Bombers last game before the bye July 20 against the Elks, and since that win, we've been saying, you know, the Bombers, they're a different team. This isn't the same Bombers squad. The O-line, are they getting old? The defense allowing rookie QBs like Dustin Crum making his first start with huge fourth quarter comeback. The Bombers used to put the clamps down in the fourth quarter. Nobody could score on them, but not quite this year. But yesterday, it was clear a statement game. From the opening drive, they came out deep pass, Dalton Schoen, and we hadn't seen a lot of those connecting. There had been a couple dropped touchdown passes, and I followed up with another deep shot to Kenny Lawler in his second game making the Bombers. How about these numbers for Zach Kolaris? 19 of 27 with a very nice 369 yards passing, three touchdowns, and, oh, yeah, no sacks taken after being set sacked seven times in their first meeting versus BC. Kenny Lawler in his second game, 200 yards, receiving seven catches, uh, and he's really came in and made an impact early, and Dalton's shown with five catches of his own, 137 yards and two touchdowns. We talked a lot about uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, who missed their first meeting. He had a sack. Willie Jefferson, a sack, and Jake Jake Thomas sacking the BC Lions' uh, quarterback. You know, Dane Evans came in, not exactly the most effective. Did not have the type of game that he had last year against the Bombers when he torched them. And, and then Dom Davis came in after Evans was injured, but the game was basically done. Uh, you know, second half was a victory lap. Shout to Demario Houston, another. Interception, Brandon Alexander as well. Sergio Castillo, a fantastic addition to this Bombers team. 3-for-3 on field goals, 5 extra points. All in all, the Bombers put up 50 points on defense. Uh, We're going to say it. They made a statement. They may not say that after the game. We'll get into some post-game comments in a second. And how about these numbers? The BC Lions, after 7 games, had only given up 94 points all season. And the Bombers put up 50. That is more than 50%. I did the math. Uh, and let's see. All year, coming into last night, the BC Lions had allowed five offensive touchdowns. And the Bombers equaled that with five offensive touchdowns of their own. The Bombers back tied first in the West. And circle your calendars. It appeared, look. These two teams, we figure they're going to be playing the West final. But the tiebreaker is going to be huge. Circle it on your calendar. Friday. Uh, October 6th against or in BC at BC place. So if you are here, thank you everyone who's come out here on a Friday, make sure you hit the thumbs up button helps, uh, helps tell YouTube. we got some great content here and more likely to show it uh, to more people. Hit the subscribe button. We're trying to get to 10 K. It's kind of slowed down. I get it. It's the summer, but if you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? And show it to all the podcast listeners, listening on podcasts, uh, maybe Apple, give us a rate, and review. We're going to be joined by Ed Tate in a second. I see him in the green room. He's got one of those sweet uh, Bud Grant limited edition hats. Uh, Before we get to Ed, we'll play some comments from Mike O'Shea uh, after the game last night. And Mike O'Shea, I don't know how he does it, stays pretty even keeled all around. And I'm going to pull up this clip right now. Here's Mike O'Shea on the game.
3: I thought our guys played very well. I thought, you know, to a man, they, they worked really hard um, to, you know, win their one-on-ones. I thought the receivers made some, you know, they played fast and made, sometimes made some tough catches, right? So it was good. I thought Zach was his usual self. <laughs> and uh, overall, I think the whole team just played a pretty darn good game.
0: You've seen a lot of great games from this offense but to get the start that you did and then to have that continue throughout the game, I, I don't know if you've had a better game from your O-line this season but it looked like everybody was clicking on offense what was working so well
3: That might be it, just everybody was working well, I mean it doesn't take much in 12, you know in football with 12 guys having to do something exact, it doesn't always have to be perfect but you know, you get a, if you get a couple guys that aren't you know, plays break down right, so I think that's what it'll look like tomorrow on film is all 12 guys doing what they're supposed to do at a high level. You know, I thought the execution was really good.
2: There's bombers head coach, Mike O'Shea. And there was so much talk about last time these two team play, would play or played, uh, about the bombers wanting revenge, not forgetting it. Scott Billick asked Mike O'Shea, if it was a, red, a revenge game and O'Shea, uh, he wanted none of that
0: you'll never use the words like revenge or
1: payback and none of your guys on your team will but it, it's got to be human nature to want to right a wrong i guess uh, if, if it's not it doesn't have to be the word revenge know, or a,
3: there was a lot of games in between
0: yeah
3: you know and i but it was a, it they, was a battle they, for first and
4: all that right like it's not just it's week eight yeah
3: you know or game eight for us i don't know that first place is determined at this point you know in the season right so i I don't i don't believe we think that way i'm um, certainly guys it must cross guys minds but once again the majority of the group are wired and they get back quickly if they if the pendulum swings one way or another they get back quickly to that pretty level-headed where what's most important to them is um you know showing their teammates you know not showing somebody else right so
2: and there is head coach Mike O'Shea, not getting too high, getting too low. I don't know how he does it all the time. They asked him on the CJOB game. I think it was Derek Taylor, saying, was that the best game you've ever seen Zach Caleras play? And his response was, every game he plays is the best game he's ever played. So Mike O'Shea, I don't know, he seems to keep an even keel, and uh, their whole team has bought in. We'll bring in Ed Tate of BlueBombers.com. Ed, how are you feeling today here on a Friday?
5: Feeling pretty good, Remo. How are you, man?
2: I'm feeling feeling great. Thanks for coming on. Great night at IG Field. 30,000 plus. It was certainly a party, and the Bombers basically taking a victory lap in the second half against what was supposed to be the biggest game of the year. Two you know West Division leaders going head-to-head. What were your overall takeaways from last game from a Bombers perspective?
5: Well, I suppose I was like a lot of people that thought that one would be a lot closer than it was. Um, there's... I mean, obviously, so many positive takeaways from from a Bomber perspective. The protection from the O-line up front, as you said, Remo, in, the, in your introduction, the, the Bombers got kind of pushed around in that first game back in June. So they responded there. Uh, the way that Zach Caleros played, the impact of Kenny Lawler, who didn't play in the first game, seven catches, 200 yards. Uh, you know, and then it's kind of maybe lost a little bit, but some of the guys that came back in the lineup and the and a quiet impact the guys like uh, Winston Rose and Kyrie Wilson and Jackson Jeffcoat, none of those guys played in the first game. It was Wilson and Rose's first game of the year last night. I thought they were solid. So man, uh, you know, if, if people were nervous after that first game in June, and then the collapse in Ottawa a few weeks ago, I think that they can back away from the panic button a little bit here because it looks like everything's right in Bomberland again.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at the Western uh, Division standings. Bombers at the top tied with BC. Uh, every You know, start uh, rebooking those tickets if you canceled them for Hamilton. Uh, just joking around here. I have to say, you know, we were all talking here about revenge, uh, payback, the Bombers making a statement. You really got the feeling from Zach Larris and Brady Oliver after the game, Mike O'Shea, that they just feel like, it's just another game, you know, you know, each game is the biggest game or they're taking it one week at a time. And they really, believe it. how do they stay so even killed? There wasn't any talk about revenge from any of them as much as we wanted to hear it after the game.
5: Yeah, it's, it's funny, Remo. When you go into it as a reporter, and I did this for 29 years as a newspaper guy, you'd go into the locker room after a game like that and you're looking for one or two money quotes, right? You're looking for someone to say, BC sucks, or we showed them, or we jammed it up there, you know what, yeah. something like that, something colorful that, okay, this is on the top of my story, this is perfect. But you go in there, and I think these guys, it's just the way they are. They're so conditioned to uh, to what Coach O'Shea is preaching that you got a, a lot of that, uh, this is what we're supposed to do. Uh, you know, Dalton Schoen, I, I spoke to him after the game, and I said, none of you guys want to call us a statement game. So what do you call it? And Dalton Schoen says I call it us just doing our job, which you know that's that uh, follows the uh, the form chart with this team. But it's it's not exactly something that you put in a headline on a on a newspaper story, right? So I don't know how they do it, Remo. I think it's be, this is part of that continuity thing, right? When you've got so many guys that uh, this is the way they've been rolling for so long. If someone was to say something out of character, he might be hauled off into the corner of the locker room and and given a whooping for speaking out of turn, right? So it's uh, it's it's just what they what they do. And some people might find it boring. I find it kind of impressive in, in that they're so uh, solid with staying on message.
2: Normally I would find it boring, but I'm kind of getting a laugh of listening to these post-game comments. You mentioned Dalton Schoen, like Zach Claris, so like, hey, didn't it feel great uh, kicking their ass after uh, they beat you guys around? just like, well, it felt great because we executed our game plan <laughs> so well. So they... And then-
5: and then even Zach saying, you know, we yeah. left a few plays on the field out there and I didn't like the way we finished. And I'm thinking, and I have the score, right? It was 50 to 14. Right. So uh, it's just, it's the way they are. You know, that's uh, a veteran team and, and every team in football, I guess all sports is chasing for that perfect game. You're never going to get it. So uh, if, you know, these guys were to one a hundred to nothing, I'm sure somebody would have said something about a miss miss tackle on a punt return or something. So, uh, it's just, again, it's just the way this the bunch is wired.
2: I was going to ask the chat, if you had to give out a game, I'll ask the chat and ask you, if you had to give out a game ball, who's getting your game ball? I mean, in a game where you win 50-14, to 14, I imagine there's a lot of candidates.
5: Well, so in our game story, I had already written, uh, before I went down the locker room, I had put Zach uh, as the, the player of the game for our website and you know the numbers are pretty good you rattled them off there earlier Remo and then you know on second glance I was looking at Kenny Lawler's numbers and you don't get 200 yards receiving very much in a in a game I'm just going to double check here while we're talking because I reached out to the to our the league stats guy and I think there's only been maybe a dozen uh 200 yard passing receiving games by bombers, and it come up here one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, a dozen even receivers in bomber history who had 200 yards wow. receiving in a game. And Alfred Jackson had the record 308 in that uh, uh, 713 game by Matt Dunning in, in 1994. Alfred Jackson, yeah, Alfred Jackson, David Williams at 240 in that game. So Kenny Lawler's on the list now twice. With the, including that game last night. So that's pretty darn, darn impressive. And so that he was the guy that I'd give the game ball to, but there certainly were a lot
2: of candidates last night. Yeah, Kenny Lawler uh, saying earlier this week he wanted to reach 2,000 yards despite missing the first couple games. Well, if you put up a 200-yard game, definitely making it, making it easy. And uh, a lot of people in chat saying give it to Zach. I see Dalton Schoen, uh, the whole O-line shares the game ball, but you mentioned Kenny Lawler. Uh, two games, 14 catches, 293 yards. How much has his return changed the look of this Bombers offense? And I think did we underestimate how, you know, how good uh, that he was. I mean, he looked uh, pretty awesome yesterday making some of those uh, contested catches.
5: Yeah, you know, those numbers would have been up even more, right? He had that one offensive pass interference that took another long game. Off the off the uh his stats sheet, and he drew that pass interference play late in the first half that led to Brady's touchdown. So, there's impacts that he's had too without um even catching the ball. It's like as Mike O'Shea said afterwards, it's not always going to look like that with Kenny with Kenny, but um, I think it just I mean, it's so cliche, but it opens up more room for everybody else, right? And Dalton Schoen has a huge game, and it's not by coincidence that Kenny Lawler is on the field when he does, you know, drew Walatarski did his thing. Nick Dembski catches that great touchdown pass. There's a lot of weapons on this offense. And, uh, some days it's going to be Kenny some days it might be Dalton shown. And you know, it could be De- Demsky. could be Rashid Bailey one game. So, um, I think what it does is as it, it just puts another weapon on the field for Buck Pearson, one of the things we should, uh, I should tip my hat to Buck because, uh, Got a lot of love from uh, the offensive players. I talked to after the game last night about the game plan he put in place because there was a lot wrong with what they did in that game in June when they lost 30 to six on off on offense. They weren't very good that night, but we saw you know a better a better team up front in the trenches. They did some different wrinkles. We saw them attacking downfield, and when they did, they were usually with in six man protection up front and an extra receiver or Brady Oliveira blocking. So they did a lot to to keep uh, Matthew Betts and company off Zach Caleros and give him more time. And I thought it was a brilliant game plan by the
2: offensive coordinator. Yeah, Zach Claros looking pretty strong, uh, you know, untouched in the pocket. There were a couple of times he had to scramble and we saw, almost saw that one of vintage Zach play where uh, I remember the one against Calgary when he first came back, but he ran to the ref before throw, before throwing it away. Uh, but Zach, I, you know, I have to ask you if he's playing at another level this season. You look at his numbers yesterday, three touchdowns, 369 yards passing. He's already got four games, 300 yards this year. All of last year, he only had three games of 300 yards. Uh, something changed with him this season?
5: I, I think a lot of it does have to do with more weapons and it's more comfortable with this offense the more you play in it right and again it's the continuity right when you have this many last year we didn't know who Dalton Schoen was at the beginning and it took a while for him to be you know become comfortable with Zach Caleros and it happened it happened pretty quick but it, it he was a new face Greg McRae was kind of a new face but those guys are now regular players in this offense are or, or returning players so I think that matters. I find it interesting because, in, you know, in a few months here, say September, October, I used to have a vote as a member of the Football Reporters of Canada for the for the annual awards, and I wondered uh, in the last little while if people were getting sort of uh, Zach Caleros uh, voter fatigue because of the most of him winning the last two most outstanding player awards. And, you know, I've heard some chatter this year about uh, it being earlier in the year, Vernon Adams Jr., Matthew Betts and Chad Kelly in Toronto, you know, that he's the, the runaway or the early season leader for MOP. And then you look at the numbers even before last night, Zach Claros was leading the league in passing. He was leading the league in quarterback efficiency. And those numbers only get better after what he did last night. I don't know how we, can't be, we can be excluding him as a leading candidate again to go uh, three for three in the MOP voting. Right now, to me, he's better than anybody else in this league.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking at the numbers uh, right now. He's what leading? I mean, he's played an extra game, but leading in yards, leading in by quite a margin. Yards per attempt. Although Chad Kelly is up there you know, leading in leading touchdowns, sixteen, five inter- interceptions. Shout out to TSN.ca, who's been a good resource, uh, good resource for the stats. Also, I was using FootballDB.com as the CFL website works works through their issues. You mentioned the offense. I think there were some questions about the defense as well. You know, with Dustin Crum with a fourth quarter comeback, uh, you know, he played Edmonton and did fine. But um, you know, do you have any have all your concerns? If you had any about the defense, uh, been answered, Layla? Do you are there any remaining concerns about this uh, defense?
5: I, I don't think so, Remo. When you get to, like again, those three guys that didn't play in the game in BC they're such difference makers and they're veterans right Winston Rose looked really comfortable in the corner I thought BC would attack him right away and they went over there and he's sure on his tackling you know a lot of people were talking about the the Winston Rose we saw last year wasn't the same as in 2019 or 2021 well he was hurt last year he played hurt and I know he was a man on a mission coming into this year he's in extremely good uh, physical condition one of the best guys on the team and that he got hurt in camp and Uh, you know so that was his first game last night he looked great I talked to Kyrie Wilson last night he said he was so emotional just running out of the tunnel last night because he hadn't played in over a year after wrecking his Achilles so you know he does so many things that get go unnoticed and then uh, you know Jackson Jeffcoat looked really solid too on the other end and that's not a surprise it's just that he wasn't in that game against BC earlier in the year I think they're pretty solid on defense you know everybody's going to get Uh, beat up once in a while by a running uh, quarterback. And that certainly happened against Ottawa. They look vulnerable against that on on other occasions too. But man, when you, when you, when you look at that defensive depth chart and all the veteran pieces again, and now that they've settled in on the secondary, it's pretty scary on D, you know, and they, again, they're getting compared to the BC defense who came into last night and you were rattling off the numbers before at the top here about how good they've been. Well, there's no question who was the better defense last night. And so, um, you know, I, I think we're starting to see that bomber defense that doesn't get back to the days when we were calling them the dark side.
2: Yeah. It's, you know, you always forget you want to anoint No, you know, Mike O'Shea's like, yeah, it's week eight guys. Calm down. You're not going to, you know, ward anyone week eight. And I think we saw that last season where it was the Argos who kind of peaked uh, near the end and they're really carried it through. You know, the bombers got off to a bit of a, Slow start, but there's still a lot of football to be played. But uh, are we all just looking ahead to what week seventeen, eighteen now? I mean, that's a really tough stretch here. What they play Hamilton on the sixteenth, what then they have uh a bit of a buy is that a buy? And then they go on the twenty-ninth to uh host Toronto, Andrew Harris's return, and then uh off to BC. I think we're all kind of just waiting for those two games now, is I don't know if anyone, if Saskatchewan's established themselves, we'll see how they do this weekend, and Calgary as well in the West. They've kind of been uh, yo-yoing and not not that consistent.
5: Yeah, the schedule's interesting, right? I mean, I've I, I been doing this for a long time. I still get jacked up about every game. So next week in Edmonton, then the week after that is Calgary. And you mentioned when Toronto comes rolling in here, that's going to be a dandy, right? Not just because of the return of... Andrew Harris, but look, the Argos are unbeaten right now, and they look like a juggernaut. They beat the Bombers in the Great Cup last year, so that one's going to be juicy. And I don't care. We've seen it so many times before. If Winnipeg's 0-10 and Saskatchewan's 0-10, whenever these two teams lie, line up, it's going to be the old-time slobber knocker, right? I, I just love those games. The Labor Day Classic is a beauty, and the banjo bowl now is a staple on the, on the back end of that doubleheader is just a – you know, it's always full – it's going to be fun as hell too. So I'm looking forward to October in Vancouver for obvious reasons. If that's a first place showdown, it's going to be dandy. But uh, man, there's some some juicy matchups before that too for people to get excited about.
2: Yeah, the Bombers. What's up for the Bombers now? They prepare for Edmonton still winless uh, next Thursday at Commonwealth.
5: Yeah, I guess the, the, they have uh, until Monday. That's when they're back on the practice field. I'm not sure if they would have been back on Sunday if they would have lost, but uh, an extra day in there. Um, these ones still kind of, I, I think, scare everybody, right? You're going to play a, against a team that doesn't look like they could win an inter-squad game right now, right? They look. Edmonton looks like a mess, and they changed their uh, offensive coordinator. They're going to have a new quarterback. They're going to be coming off a bye, so the you know. They, they're a mess, but there might be a bit of a mystery with uh, Winnipeg going in there next week because we don't know what they might look like with Jarius Jackson calling the plays. And uh, You know, you should never take your foot off the gas in this league. We saw that in Ottawa a few weeks ago. So I just hope that this veteran group keeps their foot jammed down on the gas pedal and they go out and torch those guys.
2: Yeah, well, you know, the BC Lions shut them out twice. So the Bombers, you know, if they want to make a, another statement, they uh, <laughs> Maybe That's minus points, story. minus points against <laughs> against Edmonton. <laughs> uh, I think they're on the they're actually on the bye uh, yeah. this week. Uh, yeah, they're on the bye, so they'll be rested. I think they'll be I don't think they're. I guess they're not. I don't think they're as as terrible as their winless record. But you kind of are are what you are, and we'll see what they do at quarterback. I know Taylor Cornelius. He keeps they keep putting him out there. but you have to think. You know, maybe they make a, a change. Uh, when they come back, just because like, what they've been doing over and over hasn't seen, hasn't to work, or hasn't yeah, seen to work. Already,
5: they've already said that they, this is such a weird story. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but it's Trey Ford and the other guy, Davey, I think. Yeah,
2: Doge, or they're, what is the guy's name?
5: Yeah, he, he, uh, he's going to get the start, I think, in their next game. That's what they're saying, anyway, or Trey Ford the Canadian kids. So that'd be interesting. It's just weird. They've hitched their wagon to Taylor Cornelius in the offseason, gave him a lot of money. I think his, at the time, his record was like four and 11 or four and 15. And, and that's the guy you're committing to. Yeah. It was weird. And, and they've bounced all over the, this year with the, you know, yanking from games and putting in other guys. And it's, Oh, again, It looks like a a tire fire out there, but those are the ones that always scare people, right? Because you just don't, again, you don't want to get too lazy or too comfortable in this league because uh, that's when you get bitten the backside.
2: Yeah, it is. uh, Daggy is the pronouncing. I always thought it was uh, like Doge, but that is. Daggy. yeah. I got to be correct if I'm going to be in the host chair. Uh, I just have to spell
5: it right most times. Yeah.
2: Well, (laughs) And looking ahead, um, are you got your eye on any other games this weekend? Uh, Toronto in Calgary, that's tonight. Saturday, Montreal in Hamilton. And Sunday night, uh, the new Sunday night, or Ottawa with uh, Crum starting in Saskatchewan. Any of those stick out to you?
5: I like, I watch every game, uh, Remo, but the one that you just mentioned, uh, Saskatchewan and Ottawa, kind of grabs my attention because, uh, you know, that. They keep calling about the, the, the work that Crum has done right he's he's been an impressive a young star at that position and a lot of people in this town are cheering for bobby dice myself mm-hmm. included the one big guy running ottawa now and you know there's as as bomber fans we're always watching what's going on in saskatchewan and uh they're in a really interesting spot right now with uh, trevor harris out and mason fine their starter and he has these moments where you think, okay, there might be something there. And then you look at the stats, and I don't think he's thrown for a touchdown yet at his two starts. And so uh, I like this game because of what Ottawa is doing to kind of look like a an emerging team, but also because uh, Saskatchewan's an interesting study right now because of the, the trouble they've had with uh, Trevor Harris being out. And there's so much pressure on that regime out there to get things right after what happened last year when they hosted the Great Cup and, and, and had a horrible season.
2: Yeah, and Trevor Harris, he threw for over 400 yards against the Bombers in that game before the Bombers were able to pull away in the fourth quarter. And I agree with you on Ottawa, very interesting. It seemed like they were very down and out with Masoli, And Brom comes in and leads this comeback against the Bombers. I worry about him. I watched you know, the last game. He's, not, he's fearless. He'll run into anything. Uh, he's taking some big hits. Uh, you know, maybe he'll he'll slide a bit or be more careful, but um, he took he took some big hits in the last one, but very exciting football. I'm looking forward to tonight's game: Toronto against Calgary. Toronto unbeaten, and Jake Mayer. Sometimes he's looked great, throwing for 400 yards, and other times he looks like a guy who's uh, you know first time you know full time starter after taking over for Bo Levi last year. But yeah, the West, which has normally been you know the powerhouse division, seems like the Bombers and BC running away both at six and two.
5: Yeah. We talked about this yesterday on the um, CGOB pregame show. There's actually some chatter in the league now, about maybe in the first time in, in league history, that there might be an Eastern team crossover yeah. uh, and, and take the fourth sp- or the, the spot in the, in the playoffs in the, from the West division, because the East has been so much stronger this year. And right now in the West, it's BC and Winnipeg and then the rest, right? It just doesn't look uh, like these other teams are still kind of, you know, trying to find some traction. So, uh, you know, again, I'm going to sound like Coach O'Shea now. There's a lot of highways <laughs> still to travel, right, for these for these teams to get it right. We're not even close to Labor Day yet, which everybody used to say that's when you start playing games for real. So, uh, I, you know, I, I keep I make no apologies. I love this league. I love the, the what we're seeing so far this year. It's been an exciting ball. The Touchdown Atlantic game was pretty cool last year or last week. So there's some chatter about uh, you know another expansion is alive again, that whole discussion, which we seem to have been talking about for forty years down there. Um, but I like the way the league is going right now, and it's it's been pretty exciting to see what's happening in the East Division because there's some some juicy teams down there that seem to be making some noise.
2: I agree. we have and we have had some uh, very exciting games going down to the last play, especially last week, what Ottawa driving. Or was it Calgary driving to the end? Uh, yep. Am I getting mixed up? Cal, yeah, it was Jake Mayer and uh, the other one. I forget it was Saskatchewan driving. I for the week I know we've had great games. So Ed, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to hop on with me today. Have a great uh, weekend, and we look forward to having you on the program and seeing the Bombers in action next week in Edmonton.
5: Right on. Appreciate you having me on, Remo. Have a good day, man.
2: Yeah. Anytime. There he is, Ed Tate. BlueBombers.com. You can follow him on Twitter or on X, if you call it that, Uh, Ed Tate, WFC. Great recap there at BlueBombers.com. Give Kenny Lawler the game ball. We're going to have Ken Weave hop on shortly, but before we do get into that, I want to play quarterback Zach Laris' comments uh, following last night's game. Here he is commenting on the win over B.C. Talk about revenge very often. This team doesn't, but that one feel pretty sweet,
6: though. I th- I th- it felt good because we executed our game plan, you know. So anytime you can do that, um, you know, stay on the football field, uh, create explosive plays, all those things. Um, it's fun. Obviously, we, you know, we got to do a better job finishing the game. Uh, Turning the ball over there late twice. Uh, it's not what we. It's not our standard. So, um, but yeah, it was a it was a pretty clean game other than those two plays,
0: and
2: uh, we're, we're happy with it for sure. Felt pretty great because we executed our game plan, and Ed and I talked about the Bombers staying even-keeled, not going to stomp over uh, their opponent. And here's one more from Zach Caleros, and this is Ed asking him about staying clean in the pocket, being sacked seven times last game, and uh, taking zero sacks last night.
5: There was so much focus on the seven sacks on the last game. What was better tonight? Yeah, I, Again, I, you know... Not to dismiss last game, but there, there are some
6: things that, you know, it's, a lot of things are always in your control. And uh, there was some communication stuff, uh, you know, whether it be cadence stuff or uh, just, you know, assignment stuff. And that's uh, not on them. That could be on me. It could be on them. It could be on the receivers, you know, et cetera, right? So, again, I thought we played a really clean game tonight. Um, you know, we were able to mix up the cadences, which is what you need to be able to do at home. Um, and, we, you know, we kept them off-balanced.
4: Call it just like maybe early season kind of woes. Then week three, and now you're kind
2: of halfway through the year. And it just wasn't really up to
6: out. it. Just wasn't up to our standard. Yeah. So it just uh, one of those games that you didn't play well enough in.
2: Wasn't up to their standard uh, the first time they played BC, and yesterday it was just them executing their game plan. Uh, we'll throw it over to Hustler for a couple notes, and then we'll come back with Ken Lots. We had a big NHL signing. Today, Tom Wilson with the big contract extension with Washington. Uh, There was some talk in the chat about bringing him here. He signed a seven-year, $45.5 million extension, 6.5 million AAVs, 29 years old, uh, entering the final year of his deal. Uh, But here's Hustler, and then we'll bring in Ken Weeb right after this.
7: Big thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Modern Man now has eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. Modern Man, guys, has you covered for whatever you need. Haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Modern Man Barber Shops. Hey, we've got some more heat coming up over the next few days. Great time to get into a pool. Don't have one? Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. The Aquatech team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. At Whole Home Reno start with Aquatech as well. With thousands of renovations as their foundation, let them upgrade any space in your home. Aquatech's ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing and financing options at aqua-tech. C-A. And hey, with school out for the summer, this is the time of year where uh, you spend time with your kids away from school. And you know who else deserves a big shout out right now? The parents that spend the last 10 months keeping up with busy school and sports schedules for kids. And now for a short time, the schedule slows down. And the team at Manitoba Battery wants you all to enjoy the free time. Enjoy the break and unwind however you see fit. And if your summer fun includes anything that might need a battery, let Manitoba Battery look after you with low prices and free delivery anywhere in Winnipeg. Save big money, save time. That's what it's about at Manitoba Battery. They've got summer fun deals going on right now. So when you need, go to ManitobaBattery.com and let Donnie and his gang help you enjoy this one time a year when you can let life slow down a bit. Um, And hey, by the way, speaking of slowing things down in the summer, if you're looking for a great cocktail to enjoy that downtime, check out Canadian Club and Ginger Rail. Uh, Maybe you've tried it at a Bomber game. Maybe you've seen people getting it. If you haven't had it already, you can pick it up at Manitoba Liquor marts. You could also get it at your local beer vendor maybe when you're thinking about something a little different. It's now available in 473 milliliter cans and available in six packs. And of course, the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Canadian Club, also available at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart.
2: There he is, Hustler. He's away fishing. Aiken's like, best weekend of the year. Uh, I'm just about to bring on... Ken Weeb, he's in, entering the green room, one second. But if you are here and you're enjoying the show so far, please hit that uh, thumbs up button. Subscribe to the channel. We need all the thumbs ups we can get. It tells YouTube, hey we got some great content here. Maybe it'll show it to more people, put it in their feed. You know how when you log into YouTube it just show, recommends you videos. Maybe one day ours will show up on someone else, someone new who doesn't know what we're doing here and they'll find it. So that's what the thumbs up does. and subscribing as well we want to get to that nice round 10k number we're closing in It slowed down a bit here in august just like uh, the hockey news has slowed down but we have had some nuggets looking forward to talking about that with a well hydrated ken weeb not not on the golf course right now ken welcome how's it going happy friday you got me, Remo. Great, yeah, Remo. Thumbs up
4: to you, buddy. You said you wanted more thumbs up. I'm giving you the literal and figurative <laughs> thumbs up. So the folks in the chat room are getting on board. Uh, doing great, Remo. Good to see you. Uh, nice lid. You're looking very studious today with the glasses. Yes. It was, uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Been a good week for the uh, for the golf tour. Um. Saw both uh, both east and west of the province this week. Started at Breezy Bend, looking very good. Uh, played at Niaqua Tuesday, Granite Hills Wednesday, and Thursday up at Oak Island, so the East-West connection there, and uh, yeah, I had a great time at the uh, the Aaron Cockrell invitation in support of the Toba Center on Tuesday at uh, Niaqua, just a fantastic day, and uh, great to spend a little bit of time with Aaron, who is currently the uh, 54th ranked player on the DP tour, and Remo, this is crazy. Yeah, I know you enjoy golf also. Aaron Cockrell, the pride of Manitoba, is 250th on the official golf world rankings. I mean, among the 250 best players in the entire world. Uh, pretty crazy to see five out of six PGA Tour cuts and uh, big things ahead for, uh, for Aaron, who's a fantastic human to go along with his, uh, his great play. I do think about that, how guy, he's from Toulon, correct? Toulon it, slash Gunton slash Stony Mountain, but uh, he's been officially claimed by the entire province now, Remo, yes, and we, he's the only them. Canadian on the DP tour. Like, Also think about that. Like, I understand there are, obviously, it's a great time on the PGA tour and Corn Ferry and, and the PGA tour Canada, but uh, the lone Canadian, not just Manitoban, and you know historical films uh, special, like, he's probably the most successful player from the province since Glenn Natchik was on the PGA Tour, uh, you know, I think that was in the early 2000s when I was just starting out at the Winnipeg Suns, so uh, brighter days ahead and uh, he's had a great run this year, uh, two top four finishes including uh, losing in a playoff on the second playoff hole, so he's home for a little bit here before the uh, race to Dubai gets uh, gets really rolling and uh, as mentioned uh, it was just a great event uh, at NACWA in support of the Toba Center so good folks around Manitoba
2: doing great things here, so it's great to see you. Oh, Aaron does listen to this program, so shout out, to Aaron! It it does amaze me how a guy from Manitoba, where there's snow on the ground, I don't know, like six months of the year. Like, can we do the math? Like November, <laughs> December, January, February, March. I'm like quite five. sure six months of the year, but
4: like let's, let's five, look, five. You could do. There f- can be snow on the ground for those five, th- four sure. or five months. For but sure, how you for could sure.
2: Be, be one of the like 250 best golfers in the world when you have that kind of disadvantage, I mean, that, you know, there's places in the world where you can probably golf 12 minutes of the year. So you're I mean, the, you're go- the maximum golf you're able to do here is much lower than anyone else. So.
4: Yeah. Pretty bang cool. on everyone. And I know you've talked to him a little bit about it, but uh, Aaron has just an incredible setup in his garage. He has the, the man cave set up with the track man. And uh, it's really a cool thing. He's got a bunch of the, uh, the caddy bibs hanging up and, Ooh. You know when we're when we're going to the rink, and uh, you know when you're uh, when you're enjoying the yard dog at the Bomber playoff game. Remo, uh, Aaron's uh, Aaron's in the garage bashing balls when it's uh, you know ten twenty below out there. So yeah, just a great commitment, and uh, as I said, great human being, and uh, he's doing great things in this community here. And uh, that first uh, official tour win, he has one win on the Outlaw tour and one of the mini tours, but closing in on his first. Uh, First big time victory uh, on one of those, you know, one of the best tours uh, in the world. Yeah. Shout out
2: to the yard dog. Um, Ken's (laughs) mad that I didn't offer him a bite when I saw you while I was getting, getting mustard. And
4: it's true. If I knew, if I knew what you were headed to, I would have followed you back to the seats there, Remo. And especially when I watched the video this week on Insta, and noticed that it wasn't even finished. And, uh, you know, I, you know. The guy likes to eat, so I would have been happy to help you. But I know it was for science, so it was was the challenge. I appreciate that you accepted the challenge without me, but now that you've uh, finished the challenge, I will join you on the next one. Looks like it was a – I was driving home from the round in Oak Island, but uh, listened to the dulcet tones of Derek Taylor yesterday on my drive home, Mm -hmm. and I know it was quite a beatdown over at IG Field there. The Bombers, you know – really looking good on a lot of fronts. The defense, fantastic. And the offense, uh, Zach Kalaros really uh, rolling out there. Oliveira another nice game. And uh, yeah, it was a solid response game. And again, I know you're going to dig into this uh, Monday with Hammer uh, when he does his weekly hit. But I mean, this was a game the Bombers absolutely had to have. Remo, they had an obvious scheduling advantage here coming out of the bye week. Now 12-1 and coming out of the bye week. BC on a short week. Yet we understand Dane Evans is a capable quarterback. They were still without their starting quarterback, but that didn't matter. All the Bombers needed to worry about, it would, they didn't have to care about BC's excuses or their circumstances. They needed to respond to their own beatdown against the Lions earlier in the year, and that's exactly what they did. So, uh, week coming up, though, I think they're going to Edmonton to face the Elks. Uh, I don't see this as a trap down or let, ga- let down game for them very focused very important victory for them but you know at the end of the day it's uh, you know what are we at august 4th here so that was one that they had to have and if they didn't have it you know it's as crazy as it sounds it would have been a real battle for them to try to get to first place in the cfl west and now they'll be feeling good about themselves going into another week but uh, very workmanlike effort and uh, i'm rimo i assume you were there was it a pretty fun yeah. atmosphere yes. uh, this is a great night for another game out there another beauty friday
2: or a thursday night uh, special there yeah, we can definitely use the word uh, pushback when it came for the bombers yesterday. <laughs> well well said, really well said. They <laughs> did not take they won't say it. They will say it was just another game, but they you know they didn't like uh the way things went in their first meeting and uh these two teams battling out. It was a great night. Um I mean the weather has been absolutely incredible, you know, very relaxed, uh coming out with the thirty thousand plus uh people on the concourse. I mean the second half was basically a victory lap. Maybe it got it. You got a bit nervous. I know there are people in my section who had flashbacks uh, from the game against <laughs> Ottawa with the with the Claris interception and right. Brady Oliveira fumbling. But they were already up. What you know? I said to the guy next, I'm like, man, I I don't know if this is over. He's like, dude, they're up four touchdowns right now. You know, 50, fifty burger. There, yeah. there have not been
4: many fifty burgers dropped uh, in recent years. Uh, we know it's a we know it's a passing league, but that is an impre- impressive performance on a number of levels mm-hmm. and. You know what, and as you mentioned, I mean, the Bombers are going to say all the same things that you know didn't really matter to them, but uh, this was you know one of those statement games that they had to have. I mean, if they lose this game now, all of a sudden, the questions going into this week are, Oh, well, now the Lions have first place sewn up. Of course, it's not the case, and they would have to win on you know the majority of those games, but trying to overcome two games when you lose the tiebreaker that would have been a tough, tough deal for them. But at the same time, they were very workmanlike, their offensive line. Uh, it sounded like it was exceptional uh Zach not under pressure the way he had been on various other points this year Oliveira, I think 64 61 yards on the ground and the touchdown uh, another good game for Dembski. Kenny Lawler hitting the 200 yard mark i mean this was a it sounded like it was a pretty festive game but the bombers really kind of clicking on all cylinders and showing the rest of the league once again that uh you know the talk of their premature dem- or of their talk of their potential demise was uh, was a little premature on that front. So, uh, you know, coaches got them ready, players executed, and and obviously, like we said, took advantage of an obvious scheduling advantage. And hey, who's not looking forward to the game at BC, right? And, I mean, <laughs> circled on the calendar, <laughs> right? Of course, like this is outside of you know the visit from the Toronto Argonauts. I mean, that's going to be the next massive game on the schedule, right? You still have an undefeated team left. Toronto looking good. Chad Kelly doing a nice job. And, and let's not forget, Remo, I mean, Andrew Harris last year did not have his return game. The Argos did not come to IG Field last year. So uh, I know that Andrew's going to be excited for, for that return. And and obviously that's right now. Those are the three best teams in the, in the CFL are the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Toronto Argonauts, and BC Lions. And, you know, those, that's good for the league. I mean, because as you were talking about with Jeff, there isn't really a lot of parity except for the, at the very cream of the crop at the top. The only parity is at the bottom and who's going to, you know, limp into the other playoff spots. So uh, it's exciting time right now for the Bombers. And, you know, they had all cylinders kind of clicking yesterday and, and
2: that was important for them. Yeah, they were, they were looking pretty good. Yeah, Edmonton, August 10, then in Calgary on the 18th and the next home game. August twenty-four against Montreal, uh, Montreal and Hamilton in Hamilton uh, this weekend. I think Montreal has actually been been pretty good. So uh, we'll see. You know, you can rebook all those uh, Grey Cup you know packages that you canceled after <laughs> after the loss <laughs> loss to Ottawa. <laughs> um, a, lot str-
4: a lot of stress for some folks. Remo, yes, I know. I know we're we're getting into the fun stuff now.
2: Yeah. Hey, we're having a good time. It's Friday. It's August 4. We actually have had a steady stream of hockey news. We did have the Tom Wilson signing today. There's been a big signing almost every day, but we did even have a Jets signing this weekend. Rasmus Kupari acquired in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, signing the two-year deal, $2 year deal 2000000 Where were you when you heard about the Rasmus Kupari signing? Is that going to be a where-were-you moment for you? <laughs> Uh, what hole was I on?
4: Uh, oh man, you it was remember. Tuesday, right? It, it was on. It was Tuesday, <laughs> right? Uh, the yeah, was, Tuesday?
2: was Yeah, I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
4: no, hang on. It was on Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, it was Wednesday, Remo. Two days ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, was, my it was on Wednesday. Uh, I had finished my round on at Granite Hills. Uh, was on the boat at Bird River uh, when the moment happened. And Remo, the beauty of technology, uh, you can subtweet. An announcement, a signing announcement from the middle of Bird River out in the Lac Boni area. Is so that, is that it right there? Uh, that 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 is that is <laughs> it. That is that is exactly where I was at the exact time that the signing was announced. That is true. Uh you know, I did not have the laptop ready but had the phone uh, phone handy. So uh yeah I know you've talked about it with a lot of the other guys I mean this is this is oh there you go there was dinner right there the tomahawk special right that there you can't just gloss that one over that was uh, that was a very tasty meal uh the barbecue or the smoker was used quite well by uh, Mr Jake Laffernay's right there yes uh one of uh, Mo Gosselin's buddy who's uh is out with Hustler uh, having a great time at Aiken's Lake there uh in terms of Kapari Remote. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the contract that you get usually when you're coming out of your entry level deal and you, you know, you don't have arb yet. And, um, you know, this is a guy who it, it's the show me stage of his career. The one thing we've noticed, uh, we talk about the flat cap world a lot and what the flat cap world has really done. Remo is you have a, you know, the upper class of the salary expectations, and then you have a bunch of guys that are at the league minimum or just over, and Kapari finds himself in that class right now. Uh, he's a guy who's, you know, I I can pretty much guarantee you he's going to make more in his next contract when the cap goes up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he whether he's a fourth line player this year. Will he sneak his way into the third line at some point? Um, where are things going to go with him? Very similar deal to what Morgan Barron had uh, just signed with the Jets. And if you want to look further back, I think it was I think it's one of the exact bridge deals that the Jets did with Mason Appleton also. So. Uh, no real surprise with the money or the term gives you a couple of years to kind of relax and get yourself settled in a new situation. Uh, you know, he's already a guy who can play the wing. He can play center. He is a physical player with speed. And now it's a matter of where he's going to fit in. Where who are his line mates going to be? What what kind of role is he going to be in? You know, ten to twelve uh, minute player or will he be a thirteen plus minute player? I mean, these are all questions that. Uh, will be fun to discuss and dissect as training camp rolls along getting into September. But yeah, I mean, the Jets are down to two RFAs now too as well, Remo. Uh, that's uh, Declan Chisholm and Logan Stanley on the back end. And again, this is not a huge, like these contracts take some time. I don't think it's a matter of, you know, one side says uh, my client deserves this and the team says, no, no, here, take it or leave it. I mean, this these are deals that are going to get done. Uh, you know Whether or not Logan Stanley is still here at training camp, that is still you know, one of the question marks that we have in terms of what the defense core is going to look like. Um, Declan Chisholm, I, I, we talk all the time about players potentially being traded. I, I don't see him as being one of those players. He had an all-star season with the Manitoba Moose last year in the American Hockey League. I think he still is very much part of the Jets' plans. Uh, where Logan Stanley fits in, we're not 100% sure. Uh, up and down year last year, hurt a lot. Um Kind of wondering where, you know, where he stands. He's wondering where he stands. We know the trade request was made prior to the deadline. It didn't happen. It didn't happen at the draft. It hasn't happened on August 4th as of yet. So uh, we'll see if either there's a reset period where Logan Stanley comes into camp, tries to win a job that, you know, essentially he lost his sixth spot last year to Dylan Sandberg. Uh, I don't see Samberg giving up that spot this year. I think it's a far likely chance that uh, Dylan continues to work his way up the depth chart rather than down, Uh, and that means those other players are going to be in a battle themselves. Uh, You know, Nate Schmidt's a guy who played very well in the playoffs and down the stretch. Yes, we know there was a healthy scratch for him, and we understand that he makes a lot of money for a third pairing guy or a guy who's playing on the third pairing right now. But this is not new for the Jets. I mean, the Jets had a uh, you know third pairing that was north of $10 million uh, when it was Tyler Myers and Dmitry Kulikov. And, you know, sometimes Ben Sherratt was in there, but he had worked his way up to a pairing with Bufflin and the Jets had a, you know, 10 plus million dollar third pairing. They're not going to have that this year, Remo. Uh, but I mean, I think that uh, Nate Schmidt's a guy who brings a lot to the room, a very upbeat personality. And he's a guy with a lot of experience, and I would expect him. He's the kind of guy, too, that's not going to take his spot in the lineup for granted. He knows there's other guys coming to try to steal his job, and I expect him to be uh, ready to roll by the time training camp uh, arrives in September as well.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll one-up you. The Jets also had an expensive third pairing back in 2011-2012 with Johnny Oduya (laughs) and Ron Hainsey. Uh, both. Uh, Stanley... Ron was more of a top four. Top. I think Keynesy was more of a top four guy that year. Remo, but okay. sure, uh, Stewart, he was definitely oh, sorry, on the...
4: Stewart and Bogosian. How about that? Was okay. that one? I don't know if Bogosian. Yeah, they had were his pairing new... at times for sure. Yeah. Well, they weren't making that much money, but yeah, I mean, between those two guys, for sure. Uh, you know, that's a classic, uh, classic Claude Noel moment with the uh, the the Mystic Pizzas in the, in the in the opener against Montreal, right? So yeah, I I
2: think yeah. I've only pulled out Oduya once, son. Okay. Puck Doku. Painsy, I've never used. I got oh, okay. to work him in. Blue Jackets, Jets, uh, Canadian. Hockey related
4: Ron, man. Hockey, late, hockey uh, yeah. related Ron. Penguins, Maple Leafs. Doing is a great play- job now. He, he got himself a promotion
2: in the NHLPA. Oh, yeah?
4: So still uh, still making things happen out there. Yeah. Uh,
2: there you go. Okay. But it's keeping on Kupari. You, you think he starts? Where is he going to start on uh, opening day in the lineup? And uh, is the Gus Bus. Sorry, Probably. opening day is in, like, October 11th or yeah. opening day of training camp? Oh, sure, training camp, training. Where are you slotting him in for training camp, Kupari?
4: Yeah, it's interesting for sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility that he'll be the fourth-line center. I mean, it's possible, but he also, you know, he he could push. There's so many variables right now, it's hard to, like, I know it's super fun for us, Remo, and I know we yeah, don't have a ton to do. talk about in terms of hockey in August. and Yeah. It, it always is f- is fascinating to me that we forget how quiet the month is um, in terms of us in the media. And I think the fan base gets very riled up and is can't believe it's still two months until the games start to be happening. Uh, I I would say he's either on the third or the fourth line. I mean, I I don't know if he's going to be used at center. I don't know if he's going to be used on the wing. Uh, He's versatile enough to play both. Um, some of it will depend on what the uh, who clicks with whom, and you know whether Nemesnikov starts with Ehlers in training camp, or if he starts with Lowry. I mean, that, that's a huge difference in terms of of where the pieces fit. And then, what's the health situation like? Right? I mean, this is the other part. Um, I know you've been going through the lineup, and you know, I think there's a there's a I could I can envision uh, Mark Shifley playing with Cole Perfetti. I mean, we know those guys. Both love hockey. They spent a lot of time training last summer. A lot of rides where they talk about the game a lot. We talk about the hockey IQ and things of that nature. But does who, who, Gabe Velarde beside them? Is Gabe Velarde the second line center? Is Perfetti the second line center? Is Nemesnikov? I mean, these these, these are all questions that I don't have answers for. I think I don't even think that Rick Bonus has the answers yet because he's going to need to see it. I think Rick has a number of uh, permutations and combinations written down on a on a sheet of paper, uh, and, a, and a dry eraser board somewhere. But you know he could change his mind another four times by the time the season, like by the time training camp arrives. Uh, but I think you're going to see Shifley and Perfetti together if you know, provided Mark Shifley is still here, which I think he will be, uh, unless the Jets are blown away by a trade offer. Uh, and in terms of Velarde, I think that Velarde. Uh, would be a great fit as a as a trigger man with Nemesnikov and Ehlers. So that probably means you're looking at uh, now, but does that mean it's Niederreiter, you know, providing a little bit of size and, uh, you know, a little bit more digging in the corners with Shifley and Perfetti? You know, it's possible, but now all of a sudden, Kyle not going to be playing on the third line here. So... Uh, I could also see it being Nemesnikov, Ehlers, and Connor as well. So, and then maybe Velarde is up on the on the top line uh, with Scheifele and Perfetti. But you know, th- someone's going to be, you know, playing higher than you expect, and someone's going to be playing a little bit lower than you expect. But that also means the Jets have a lot of depth. Remo, I mean, that's the one thing The the fact that we're talking about, you know, the potential of guys like Morgan, Barron. Uh, Mason Appleton and Rasmus Kapari to be potentially, not necessarily, but potentially be fourth line players or in the fourth line mix. But most of those players at some point in their career and in the not too distant future could also be playing on the second line. So it's not like these guys are, uh, you know, not capable and quality players. I, I think the Jets, let's put it this way, Remo. I think the Jets forward group will start to look more similar to Vegas in that they have a number of different players who can shift up and down the lineup. A lot more of the Matthew Perreault, uh, human jumper cables type of scenarios where, you know, Niederreiter's a guy who, you know, maybe he's steadily with Adam Lowry, but Niederreiter's always been a guy that can get on incredible hot streaks. So I would say that based on the history for the Jets, Niederreiter would be a great fit with, Ehlers or a Connor or Shifley also because those are guys uh, that can also mesh well with them I mean we always think about the Carolina game and it was it was Connor Shifley and Niederreiter but I still think that there's some potential for that line and I also think that Namesnikov and Niederreiter play well together so what if those two guys are with Ehlers I mean like those are all great options for the Jets to look at and at the end of the day, that has nothing to do with Rasmus Kapari. I know Remo, but uh, there could also be a, a you know, combination where it's, what if it's Nemesnikov, Kapari, and Ehlers at some point? I mean, like I could easily see that happening. I mean, this is a guy who's a first-round draft pick. He plays with some edge. He has some finishing ability, even though he hasn't really scored a ton at this level yet. Uh, he's a guy that's you know going to be, a, I, I think, can be a consistent double-digit goal scorer. Uh, and then never mind. Alex follow could also be a guy where you know is playing higher up in the lineup than some people might think. Maybe he's more of a you know he's more of a middle six player, but based on how responsible he is defensively, I know you've talked earlier this week as well, or Huss has about maybe follow being kind of a security blanket for Mark Shifley. I mean, I could easily see that happening as well, but I think it's most likely that Iafallo will start with Adam Lowry, and then you know Kapari. You know, is probably on the fourth line, but I wouldn't want to. Like, this is the thing, Remo. Kapari has a blank slate with Rick Bonus, so what what that means, I I don't, I can't tell you today where I I think he's going to be, but he's probably going to be on the third or fourth line. But I also have had some scouts tell me that they see top, you know, they see see him in the second line at some point, uh, based on on his overall skill set.
2: Uh, well, there, there you go, Ken running down uh, the lines.
4: Uh, Where do you what, have him?
2: Uh, are you, uh, are yeah. you sticking with
4: Daly? You're thinking he's the fourth line center. I know some of the other guys. I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah. In, during I don't,
2: the week you said that. Yeah, that's what kind of what they with Daily phase are. I'm not going by this because I don't know. If, like Nino on the third, someone's going to be the odd man out on the third line. Who you think um, right. should be should be higher? Is going to be I in the third line with Lowry and Appleton. Does a writer? Get a shot up. They don't even have. Oh, they have, do have Perfetti. Yeah, I think Perfetti and Shafley played very well. Maybe start with that. The biggest question is who's the second line center? Because yes, it does appear Mark Shafley returning. Connor Hellebuck will be back. That'll be a question all year. But are you penciling in? Or if you had to do cool bet odds, who's that second line <laughs> second line center? Who's the favorite? Is it Nemesnikov or Velarde? And is Perfetti? I don't think he, if he's playing with Schaeffle, he's not going to be center, but I wonder if he gets a shot eventually. But I guess it's Velarde Nemestikov, two-horse race. Is, is Velarde even going to be playing a lot of center for them? Yeah, I gr- all great questions, uh, Remo. I, th-
4: for me, the he wouldn't be the odds-on favorite, but if I was putting money on it, I would put Nemestikov there because of the way that he clicked uh, with, with Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, uh, that's a guy who... Um, It sounds crazy, but even like since Stastny line and Ehlers, he hasn't, I mean, he's had a bunch of guys that he's played with a lot, but I wouldn't say that there has been a more dangerous combination than line Ehlers and Stastny when it comes to Ehlers. Yes. He's had some explosive outings with Shifley and, and Kyle Connor, uh, but they've also had some, you know, stretches where they've gone completely silent offensively. So, I, I could see those three starting together. That's how Rick Bonus started last year. Maybe you want a little bit longer runway to see what they have there. I mean, I was there in Banff, when all three of those players were talking about, "Man, this could be one of the best lines in the NHL." And offensively, they they most certainly can be. Valarity could easily be uh, a second line center too. Remo, like, here's the thing: I, I just I haven't watched. I need to watch like much like Rick Bonus. I'm sure he's got tons of video on him. I need to see more of Gabe Velarde before I'm ready to, you know, proclaim on August fourth. Yes, Gabe Velarde is naturally going to be the number two center, and you know, when Shifley, if Mark Shifley is not extended, Gabe Velarde, I I can't bang on the table today and say Gabe Velarde is going to be a bona fide number one center, but I also wouldn't say that he can't be that or can't grow into that. I mean, this is a guy who's six foot three, a 215 pound frame, Uh, all of the physical attributes a team would be looking for in a number one center. So, I mean, can he be the second line center? If I just told you in two years, he might be the first line center. So uh, of course he's got to be considered to be in the mix, but here, here's the other thing that we know. Rick bonus loves Vladislav Nemesnikov. That's also part of the reason why Nemesnikov signed the deal with the jets to, to get some stability. Now we're, I mean, quote unquote, worst case scenario, Nemesnikov also plays either wing position. So you could play him on, you know, with Adam Lowry and Alex follow also, or with Morgan Barron or with Mason Appleton uh, or with whomever, or with Nito Niederreiter, if you wanted to do that as well. So uh, I would say just in, unless that was just lightning in a bottle, I would say there's, you should give a little bit more runway to having Nemesnikov play with Ehlers. Now, if you want to play Nemesnikov on the wing and have Velardi play center, I'm also fine with that. But I just think that Nemesnikov a very responsible two-way player. He plays with some edge. So I think he would be a great fit with Ehlers on so many levels. And he just thinks the game so well. Now, having said that, Velarde could come in and, and just be an absolute force at center. I mean, he played some center last year. We know that. Uh, we know that he's got incredible offensive gifts. But just based on his ability to shoot the puck and be strong, you know, on his stick, things like that, you hear from scouts and people around the NHL. You know, Velarde is also a great fit on the wing as an absolute finisher. And the thing for me, Remo Ehlers is such a gifted passer. We always think about his shooting ability, but this was, and I don't mean just because he used to defer when he played on a line with line a. I mean, to me, Velarde has a dangerous wrist shot. He's not going to be banging one timers like line. was, but I could see Velarde really fitting well with Ehlers and Nemesnikov. But I mean, the other part of that equation remote Ehlers sometimes looks unbelievable on the right wing. And there's other times where it's better for him to be steady on the left. So that's why too, I don't, I don't know, you know, you could say Ehlers on the right, but that means, you know, Velarde at center. Well, maybe it's better if velardi's at center. Ehlers is on the left and Nemesnikov is on the right. Like I, we won't know that until we start seeing how these players interact. So for me, I would say I'm going to say, I think the guy who plays the most games at second line center is Nemesnikov. But right. if you are asking me, who's the better bet to be on opening night, I would say based on what Kevin Chevaldeoff said leading, you know, coming out of the draft where he talked about both Perfetti and Velardi, I would say that you'd have to go with Velardi on August 4th, but you know, come October 10th or so. Uh, I think that Nemesnikov, I think he's just a better, better skater at this point. So uh, I, I think that Velarde is going to be better suited to play on the wing, but Velarde may also be having a great summer of training where, you know, he adds a quarter step or a half step and, you know, maybe he's ready to be a dominant first line center. That That's also well within the realm of possibility here, but it's just based on his past injury history. I think it's probably going to be easier on his body for Velarde to play on the wing, but you know maybe he continued to grow into that position. Now I have the same questions about Perfetti. You know, some people think it might be easier for Perfetti to avoid some of the contact that has led to a couple injuries for him if he's playing center. Now the flip side to that is that the the physical a uh, toll that it takes to play down low against a Anj Kopitar or even a Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, that will also be hard on the body, You know whether that's Perfetti, Velarde, or Nemesnikov. So, I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of factors and variables to consider when you're constructing the lineup. And, you know, we talked about defensive responsibility earlier on. I mean, you know, could Mark Scheifele outscore his opposition with Connor and Ehlers on the wing? Of course, but they also might give up a lot. Because there isn't exactly a you know a, a selkie finalist among them on that on that grouping, so uh, I'm very curious. Uh, this will be a very big picture uh, kind of training camp where we're going to learn a lot about concepts. And you know, a lot of the time in the NHL these days, Remo, we watch team guys go more in pairs now than they are in lines. And you might have mm-hmm. a like the blender might be getting a, a you know industrial vert. You might need the industrial version of the blender this year, a- and that's okay because it's going to take some time Uh, you're not just going to throw the names or throw the sticks down and start tossing them to the side and say you 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 like it's going to be interesting and the other thing Remo for the Jets in terms of training camp like guys like Brad Lambert and Chaz Lucius and Colby Barlow they're all going to be getting I think NHL line mates early on in camp to help ease their comfort level so well, it might not be an unveiling of the clues as soon as we get to the training camp. And as soon as you start seeing group a and group B and who's with whom, and you know, is it a veteran group? You know what we sometimes saw with Paul Maurice, it was all veterans. And then sort of like one moose group and one jets group. It won't necessarily be like that either because of the nature of those high end prospects. Some of whom will be having their first training camp. Some of whom will be having their second training camp. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys fit into that mix as well. And I know a lot of people have been debating and asking, well, who has the best chance to make it? I mean, it's going to take a miraculous camp for any of those three guys to get looks uh, coming out of the gate. And that's not to say that they won't be in the conversation or push uh, to be in that conversation, but based on the 12 or 13 guys, and I know that you asked me about the Gus bus earlier. I mean, Right now, David Gustafson is in a fight for his NHL career, and that battle—you know—do the Jets want to have an extra center? Uh, Do they want to give that job to Axel Jansson Fiala? Is Jansen Harkins going to work his way back? Can Christian Reichel stay healthy enough to be the you know 13th forward? Will Jeff Maloud have a great camp? I mean, like, there's all kinds of players in the pool here uh, that will be pushing for work, so. Uh, I think the Jets are in a really interesting spot and, you know, a lot of these guys don't have, aren't waivers exempt anymore. So I know Huss was talking about it this week also, like every team has a, a Jansen Harkins or a David Gustafson, but you know, now then you're getting into those years where players are no longer waivers exempt. Well, now you're running the risk of depleting your depth, but I mean, it's not as easy as it had been previously where the Jets could just stash a guy on, on, on the, you know, not taxi squad, but on the active roster as the 13th or 14th forward or the 7th or 8th defenseman, you know, because now you risk losing a Johnny Kovacevic or you lo- you risk losing, you know, whether it's, I don't think the Jets will expose Declan Chisholm, nor do I think that they should. I right? mean, like Kyle Capobianco is, you know, we know he can handle the 7th defenseman job. Well, that also means he can handle the 8th defenseman job, right? It, he wouldn't be playing as often, but he could take a month off and come in and give you 12 to 14 capable minutes of puck moving efficiency. So, you know, does that mean Chisholm is ahead of him? Does that mean Vili Hainala put forces his way onto the team? I mean, the Jets have a lot of questions still left to be answered on August 4th, but none of them are of the pressing nature, right? Pressing variety yeah. nature, right? So, you know, Outside of making a decision on Connor Hellebuck prior to October 11th, which I don't see Connor Hellebuck being on the move. I mean, I think a couple teams were sniffing around and kind of wondering, but right now there doesn't seem to be an obvious landing spot, or at least not an obvious landing spot where they're willing to commit what it will take to a acquire his services and b. Open up the vault to pay him what he's going to want and his next contract, right? So that's sort of that's why everything is in a holding pattern. But for the Jets, the holding pattern means they have an elite level goaltender who is going to be ready. Whether it's you know whether he makes fifty starts before the deadline or fifty five or whatever the number is, you know they can count on Connor Hellebuck providing elite level goaltending. And until there is some other resolution with Mark Shifley, you can count on a 30 to 42, maybe even higher goal sort of season from a number one center. And the thing here about Remo, we talked about all this depth the jets have Mark Shifley no longer needs to play 23 or 24 minutes for the jets to be successful offensively. But that also means Mark's going to have to adjust his, his own sights, right? So Mark Scheife can be a 20, 21 minute player and still be maybe equally or more productive, but he also needs to worry about the defensive part of his game. And if he brings an all around game, like this was a guy who had incredible enthusiasm at training camp. And I think he played with incredible enthusiasm for a good chunk of the year. And yes, he got derailed by the benching and and then had to find it down the stretch after being moved to the wing for a while. But I mean, this is a player who's been here for a long time. Like, Mark Shiffee is a pretty smart guy, Remo. He understands the situation quite well. He knows his future is in his own hands. It's also in Rick Bonus's hands. So the way to improve your future with the Jets or elsewhere is to be a more of a two hundred foot player. Now that you know, well, there's been lots of debate. Well, you know, in a contract year, you're going to sacrifice defense for offense. Well, it's not that simple, and it won't work that way. Because if Mark is cutting corners, his ice time will be cut. Because there are other players around him. No, Pierre-Luc Dubois is not there, but there are other guys that can handle the defensive responsibility. And I can tell you right now, I know we had the debate for years about, well, Mark Schleifle just, you know, bolstering his stats with empty net goals. Like if Mark Schleifle doesn't show that he can be trusted in protecting a one goal lead he won't be on the ice for empty net goals and points and assists. So that's on Mark Shifley to be ready. So I expect him to be enthusiastic. He knows the importance of the season. I mean, this is this is a career year for him in terms of, you know, leaving his mark. Like we've talked so much Remo last year about legacy with guys like Blake Wheeler and Connor Hellebuck. I mean, Mark Shifley, this is a legacy season for Mark Shifley. Now, do you want? Is is it possible Mark's traded within the first twenty games like Line a was? It's possible, but it doesn't have to happen that way. And I mean, Mark can rewrite a lot of the the history as well with the with the kind of season that we know he's capable of having because he has had them, not just historically but recently. So I mean, it's a great opportunity for him to change the narrative. Um, there are, you know, we know he's been part of the leadership group for a long time wearing a letter, like there's an opportunity for him to put his stamp around. I mean, we, one of the reasons why Mark hasn't been moved is because teams around the league view him a little bit differently. So it's up to Mark to show that that's, you know, that he can, that he can be a, you know, not just a team player, but a guy who can be a leader and be a guy that that you can win with because we know In the playoffs, Mark has produced. He produced one of the most impressive playoff performances, the most important playoff performance since the team was back 14 goals, 20 points. But here's the other thing, Remo. They got to make the playoffs. And we also don't know if Scheifele or Hellebuck will be with the Jets beyond the trade deadline, but it certainly is a possibility that they are. And that's, you know, to me, whether there's an extension or not. I understand. I mean, we we're going to be talking about this for a long time, but I mean, I've covered the team for twelve seasons, Remo. It's not like we say it is. It's not a story every day. You're not going to Connor's locker and saying, "Hey, Connor, are you going to sign an extension?" Like, on on this is not a daily occurrence. He'll be asked about it periodically or sporadically, but I think it's we make it out to be a way bigger distraction than it actually is for the Jets, Remo. You love baseball. Like, yeah. are, who, how many times was Shohei Otani asked if he was signing with the Angels
2: leading up to the deadline? I did, I certainly didn't see a lot of clips of that. Did you? Uh, I don't really think it was addressed. I think it was more of a fan thing than a. Well, that's what I mean.
4: Thing. So is it not like, I, I'm not saying this is not an apples to apples comparison, but like, and with the fact that the Angels, even though they probably shouldn't have gone for it, You know, the fan base is all gung-ho that they kept Otani, right? There would have been a revolt if they had moved him. So to me, this whole asset management, it's of course, it's important. But if the Jets are, are, you know, in a playoff spot and and they decide to keep those players, like it's not like the franchise is going to fold because they kept Hellebuck and Shifley because of they wanted the playoff dates. I mean, I've said this before to us. The Jets have got a lot of really good and some great seasons from Mark Shifley. They've also got 8 years of Connor Hellebuck basically being their starting goalie and they're going to probably have another one of that. So if I told you in 2012 that Connor Hellebuck would give the Jets 9 seasons as a 5th round draft pick, like the asset has pretty much been maximized. Now, I understand the other side of the argument. You can you can further You know, maximize the asset by turning that asset into something else. But if the offers aren't going to be there, the maximization will come by him performing at a high level. Now, it gets complicated because that also could cause the Jets to maybe, you know, maybe go to a little bit longer on extension. It's also possible that they consider a trade. I mean, these are all things that the general manager is going to have to work his way through. But I mean, when you're in those meetings, you also can't just say, well, hey, you're going to trade Connor Hellbuck for a draft pick just in case the draft pick works out. Like, that's just not the way it works. Now, if the Jets are out of it or if they're a bubble team, now that conversation is different than if they're solidified as a playoff team in the Central. But at the same time, you can't just be looking around and saying, well, I'm going to give your, you know, it, and these guys are not depressed assets. That's the thing that's that's crazy about this conversation. Connor Helwick just was up for the Vesna trophy and Mark Shifley just produced a 42 goal season. Now his production was down, but earlier in the year his line mates weren't producing at the same level. I mean, Kyle Connor went from a 47 goal guy to a 32 goal guy. I mean, that's a big difference in terms of goals. It's still an excellent season. And Kyle Connor was over a point a game player, but like, these guys still are able to contribute at a high level. And the Jets aren't just here to say, "Here, I'll just give you this forty-two goal scorer." Nor are they going to hand over the rights to a goalie who has been at the top of it, or at or near the top of his class, you know, for the majority of the last four or five seasons. Here,
2: I think you just ran down the entire uh, Jets offseason. There, holy, uh, lots to talk about. It is all, even in August four. Can uh, appreciate. The time. Looking forward to next week. Got the MB Golf Tour. Uh, what are you on Instagram? Weeb's World Nine. Uh, yes, check sir. out some beautiful course photos. Uh, Ken, thank you so much. And yes, definitely a big year for Mark Shafley in the last year. Uh, yeah, of his thanks deal- for having me, buddy. Of his deal. We'll do this again soon, Ken. Thank you so much. You're welcome, my friend. Have a great weekend and uh, keep steering the ship, CTO. Appreciate that. There he is, Ken Weeb's World on Twitter, or X, give him a follow, and here, I'll throw this up, we do have a, a Connor Hellebuck update, here he is, with uh, Jeff Gustafson, uh, the Bassmaster champion, uh, Jeff Gustafson posting on his Instagram, Gussie Outdoors, got in a couple extra days of big water bassing before I come home, uh, there he is, on his Insta story, uh, with Connor Hellebuck, getting some, Fishing in, and we did have some, well, we did have some Bombers-related news. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, Reed Wilkins of 630 Ched uh, tweeting out, that is the rights holder for the Elks. Chris Jones says, Trey Ford starts against Winnipeg. Trey Ford starting at quarterback, not Taylor Cornelius and not Daigie, uh, who, name we touched on earlier with Ken. Uh, we're going to get uh, Mike Morielli, the commissioner of the CEBL hacks with NFL notes. Here are some words from us.
7: Got to thank our friends at Vita Health who have great prices on natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too, with barbecue season in full swing, get on down to Vita Health and stock up on some delicious Vita market, grass fed bison and beef steaks. And of course they've got guardian of life formulas like Prostate Protect and Once Daily Men's to help support men's gastrointestinal health. Vita Health fresh market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online with local delivery options at myvita.ca. Our friends at Wallace & Wallace are rocking this summer as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter did a number on your old one, give them a call Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain linker, wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz at 452 2700. The Walls & Walls team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallsfences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Caniston. Um, hey, our friends at F Apparel are ready for the summer and wedding season. Are you? If you need to up your menswear game right now, get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning of $400 along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding party, talk to them about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. F's down at 190 Smith Street. Pop down and see them in person or find out more online or make an appointment at F. That's E-P-H Apparel.com. Com. And hey, a big shout out to Nick and Nikki DQ for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk and a special happy birthday to Nick, who had a big one yesterday along with his twin brother. Um, and I'm sure they were crushing some of those delicious new summer blizzard flavors and maybe a blizzard cake for the big day for DQ Nick. Of course, if you do have a party coming up, you can order a custom blizzard or ice cream cake on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Otherwise, pop by and see him at DQ Northgate, DQ
2: Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, or DQ Neverville. Thank you very much, Hustler, with that. And big sports week in Winnipeg. We had the Bomber game last night against BC. Biggest game of the year, but we have the biggest basketball game of the season. Uh, Winnipeg sea Bears in the playoffs tonight against Edmonton. What a season it has been for them, smashing attendance records, smashing in the standings as well. I caught up with CEBL Commissioner Mike Moriali about the Seabears' success this season and the CEBL 5th anniversary. Here's my conversation with Mike. Mike, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me today. Big day here today for the CEBL with playoff games. Actually, big weekend. Uh, with the playoffs beginning
0: yeah we we've uh, we were talking about it being a long weekend and I me mean, not even recognizing what day it is i just know that today's we have two games and uh and the same on sunday so we have our conference playing games tonight of course a big game the the second game in winnipeg against edmonton and then scarborough and brampton tee it off at, at seven o'clock eastern and then those winners go to join uh on the west side they go uh, the winner goes to calgary on sunday and then the winner out of the East will head to to Ottawa for for that conference semifinal. So it's been busy. It's but it's exciting. This is the time of year you wait for.
2: Yeah, big doubleheader on TSN Plus. If you can't make it to the game, the game at six, and what the Sea Bears and hosting Edmonton tonight at eight. Incredible ticket sales opening the upper deck. I mean, the Sea Bears keep breaking attendance records over and over. I mean, it's their first season. How have the Sea Bears lived up to your expectations, uh, that whatever they were coming into the year?
0: I mean, they've done okay. I mean, it depends. <laughs> no, they have been, they have been fantastic. Like it's it's been a real um, great kind of proof of concept. I think I, I go back to, and I've mentioned it before, a game that was played in Winnipeg, Team Canada against Nigeria in like 2019 or something around that time, early 2020. That drew about eight thousand fans, and that was kind of the the part where I'm like, "Wow, this is this means something to Winnipeg fans." Like, there's a basketball community. There's certainly a sports community. I think we all understand and, and appreciate that. But there was an underground basketball community that has come out in full force, and that's been joined by you know the entertainment community. Uh, all those games uh, are entertaining, and it's exciting to bring fans downtown and experience you know the game in a in a world class facility. With world class players, and um, it's it's been a really really good um, season for the Sea Bears. It's been a really good uh, season for the league itself, and, and they've certainly paved the way.
2: Yeah, again, uh, I hear a lot of people maybe going to check out a game who aren't necessarily basketball fans saying how much fun it is. Uh, the entertainment, entertainment, it's been an incredible product here for downtown Winnipeg. But now in their first season, are other teams around the league looking at the Sea Bears? Uh, as a model, and how do other teams get to the level that the C Bears have reached in terms of attendance and engagement?
0: Well, I think that a lot of teams look at each other um, to try and, and learn things, and that, that's the beauty of what we do. It's We're very transparent. We're very open. We share a lot. We collaborate. Uh, it's one of the successes that we've had since the very beginning. So what, what David's able to learn in Winnipeg, what we're able to learn in Winnipeg can translate to some of our other major markets, right? Whether you talk about, you know, potentially getting into bigger venues or how you engage the community or what um, entertainment packages you put forth in the games. But all of our teams are are successful in their own right. Not all of them play in, in a major uh, facility that with that capacity. Some are more intimate. Some are, uh, you know, spaces that we've turned into these incredible uh, new basketball Areas and zones, and and um, you know, that part's been really exciting. So, you know, I don't know where we're going to trend. I think that the path has been paved and it has been paved in a very positive way that will allow us to do some of those things that will continue to elevate our brand and elevate the game and elevate the entertainment side. So that's been incredibly exciting, and um, and certainly, you know, it, it's it's been what I had hoped for um, in, in many cases, it's almost ex- exceeded my expectations and and it's, it's really exciting. It's like that field of dreams moment, right? If you build it, they will come and uh, they certainly have.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned, um, you know, what that Canada game here a couple of years ago, I was at a NBA preseason game here. I could not believe the crowd and I know what the thunder and Cyclone were successful here. So it's been great to see a professional basketball back. Uh the being in the arena gives that that big game feel. The production has been excellent, as you say, right. entertainment, uh Cardinal Official uh, at the great. half at the <laughs> halftime tonight. I'm looking forward to that. So uh, I think it's really brought people together and that's kind of, that's been the Bears' what playoff slogan. Um you know it's C E B L Playoffs championship this year in Vancouver, and there was news yesterday the provincial government they would contribute $1 million to the Seabears bid to host the CEBL Championship in 2025 you know in Canada we're pretty familiar with what the Grey Cup Festival I mean what is for people who may not know and heard about this what is CEBL Championship weekend what would Winnipeg be getting if the Bears did win that 2025 bid? Oh, it's funny we
0: created it off kind of the concept of the Grey Cup Festival but with that NCAA Final 4 feel to it so it's it's, uh, it's got that cross between both. It's obviously very basketball centric, but not just on the court. There's so many things that are cool about basketball the music and art and lifestyle and food and culture and, and the experiences that come with that. So you're going to see, you know, in, in Vancouver and you've seen historically, and depending on where we go in the future, what market that ends up being, you're going to see a, an event that draws community together, that draws uh, a diverse crowd together. That get to experience and celebrate uh, basketball in this country. So we want it to be the undeniable, you know, weekend of, of basketball uh, at all levels. And that, you know, legacy projects and three x three tournaments and community programming and an award show and a, you know, maybe an all star concept later uh, as we introduce that. But you have your semifinal games, your championship game. It really becomes a de facto um really good time to to come together as a nation, celebrate the game. And the beauty of it is it takes place in the summer. And you know, that allows us to do so much more with outdoor spaces and activations. And and you know, it, it really takes that Great Cup festival and it puts a lot of sunshine into it and makes it just a little more uh easy to experience, especially given the time of year.
2: Yeah, I know uh, here at the True North Square, it's been so well done, pregame celebrations. And we've had such great weather here, so it should be a great time uh, tonight with the 8 p.m. start, too. Uh, you can get outside before with some, uh, some sunshine. Uh, this year, fifth year of the CEBL, fifth year anniversary uh, celebrations all season. How far has this league grown from year one until today? I can't imagine the undertaking of starting up uh, pro basketball league. The only leagues I can start up are fantasy leagues. So, but this is this isn't fantasy. This is this is real. This is reality, and it has yeah.
0: it's, it, real good points and real bad points. It depends how you look at it. I, I, I can tell you that um, it has been an all-in, concentrated effort to make it work. And you know, you, anything time you start this, and the prep goes back six or seven years before we even launched in 2019. Um, it's hard enough to establish a league in this country. It's a big country. It's vast. Um, it costs a lot to travel. Um, there's different markets bring totally different characteristics to it. So, you know, and that's why that, you know, before us and before the CPL, the CFL was the only pro domestic leak in this country for a hundred plus years, uh, because it's not easy to do. And then layer into that, you know, coming out of a great year one for us and going into 2020, all excited, then boom, COVID hits. And then the decision to get through, COVID and play in a bubble that's never been done before, and there's no fans there and no revenue. Um, it, it, we saw it as an opportunity, which is crazy, but we saw it as an opportunity that bled into the next year of COVID. And we were the first league in the world to return fans back to the stands. And that was another opportunity to kind of get through something that seemed, you know, hard for anybody to get through. And we saw leagues not be able to play, et cetera, not just here, but in lots of places. So, All that adversity, adversity early, really helped propel us. And then, you know, there's the obvious going from six teams when we started to ten teams now. Going from a single division model to two conferences. um, Going from some smaller markets to more major markets. Sending, you know, nine players to the NBA, signing contracts, bringing in these key big time players, or in some cases, a big time rap star, and J Cole last year um you know our target score time and changing that in our second year and really being a bit of a disruptor in what we do and the the engagement and the music and entertainment that goes along with what we play those are all the building blocks that we created um because we believe that you know with the strong foundation we built that you know we can ride out some of those tough times and we did and now we're on a a really good trajectory And like anything, when you start doing well, you have more eyeballs and you just have to be that much better consistently year after year.
2: We have 10 teams, uh, Winnipeg coming in this year. One thing I've really enjoyed is a partnership with TSN. You have the game, national game of the week, uh, every game on TSN Plus, which uh, I got the app, so I've been using that. But So you've done five years. Where do you see the CEBL in the next five years?
0: I think we're going to continue to grow smartly. Um, you'll likely see one or two more teams in the next two-ish years, if I had to guess at this point, and, and likely East and West, to keep our conference model um, as is. Uh, I think you'll see us continue to to grow our game, invest in our game at a team level and at a league level. What we have now isn't broken. It just needs to now um, be modified in a way that we can become more successful. And the, And there's a lot of things that we could do now in our off season. And will that be the league uh, continuing to look at event type partnerships or other opportunities in the basketball uh, marketplace across the country, or is it going to be a combination of us doing that, the league doing that, and the team, excuse me, really investing in their local markets and starting to build that community programming in the, in the off season. I think, you know, now that we have moved from a single entity to, Now we have six owners over 10 teams, or we used to have one. Um, Now you're starting to see that level of investment um, with these private owners in their local teams. And it's starting to pay off, it's that proof of concept. So that will continue and we'll find uh, new people to come in and and help us with some of our our other teams that are still being uh, operated under one group.
2: And that alone gives me a lot of um, excitement about what's to come. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of excitement here in Winnipeg, no doubt, um, with the return of pro basketball. I mean, I'm looking at the Ticketmaster. Uh, multiple sections in the upper deck sold out. Another record crowd. Uh, it's going to be electric atmosphere. We saw last night uh, the fans bringing it for the Bombers. I know it's going to be the same here tonight for the Bears. And so for a commissioner, now that it's the playoffs, what are you doing? Sitting back and enjoying all the games? Or does, does it even... Right is it even Praying everything
0: goes well Praying <laughs> everything goes well i don't have to deal with any of the the stuff that happens because you know it's it's funny as a experience as a player um, a mice i know the intensity mm-hmm. uh, ratchets up and i know it's not just the players on the court it's the coaches it's the gms it's the front offices this is the time where everybody's on heightened alert um, so you just it might, I kind of sit back and hope everything goes as smooth as possible uh, we've prepared ourselves to be ready for everything you know now it's kind of it, it's over to the teams it's their time to, to do what they do I know the games will be intense I know it will make for great entertainment in the venue great em- entertainment when you're watching at home on TSN um, and it's just another real opportunity to showcase uh, Canadian basketball and the development of
2: Canadian basketball Yeah, again, 8 p.m. tonight, tip-off, Winnipeg, hosting Edmonton. Mike, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me here today on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and hopefully we can do it again soon, and maybe we'll see you ahead of uh, the Seabears in the final. We'll have to see. We'll have to see, but it should be fun tonight. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
7: Big thanks to our friends over at Princess Auto. Looking forward to the uh, next Bomber home game and another Princess Auto tailgate party starting 2 hours before kickoff with $5 beers, 350 pop and hot dogs and great entertainment. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panton Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24 365 at princessauto.com. A big thanks to our friends at Consolidated Supply for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Spicy, Joe, gang down there, the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, and golf carts, both new and used as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. You've also got other great options for your property, including amazing hot tubs and awesome outdoor kitchens. Not to mention, they are the experts and leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and check them out and check out the new Consolidated Supply showroom, open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East or find out more online at cte.ca. NFL season's just around the corner and all that new merch is coming into Royal Sports as well. Of course you know they've got the best selection of Winnipeg Jets gear, Blue Bombers gear, all the new Sea Bears hats as well and soccer merch from around the globe also mm, Toronto Blue Jays and Every NFL team represented over at Royal Sports, and it's not just great merch. Take advantage and make the most of your summer with bu- soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, disc golf, and a huge selection of bikes. Pop down and see it for yourself, 750 Pembina Highway, and follow them on Instagram, at Royal RoyalsportsPembina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, where's the best place to get together with friends for the big game? You know it. It's always your local Boston pizza. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the BP feature menu, including the new barbe- Korean barbecue chicken sandwich. And hey, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. Tough one for the Goldeyes last night. They are in Kansas City. First place team. Big, long series, and um, listen, this has been a real tough series for the fish on the field. Been a great one, though, off the field, and one of the biggest days of the year is coming up, and that, of course, is the Bark in the Park, Saturday, August 12th. Tickets are going very fast for that. Go to the GoldEyes website. They tweeted out some information on that. We'll get info on that from Andrew Collier in the next couple days on the program. And then, of course, next week is the big week. Reggie Abercrombie, Jersey retirement, the Reggie bobblehead giveaway, fireworks, all happening on Friday, August 11th. And uh, I'll be missing maybe part of the show that day because I'm going to be interviewing Reggie at the big luncheon downtown which I'm really looking forward to being a part of, to see Reggie again. He was one of our favorites and certainly our favorite guy from the Gold Eyes ever to interview. So I'm going to be doing that with Brody Jackson um, and really looking forward to that. But get to goldeyes.com, and if you want to get in on the Bark in the Park, I suggest you get your tickets now.
2: There's Hustler with the reads. He's away. I'm filling in. Great, uh, Great day here on a Friday, but it's time, as always, to bring in Lee Axa uh, Hamilton with his NFL notebook. Lee, how's it going? What's the temperature update there? And Sandy, it was 116 last week.
1: Yeah, that that was the exception to the rule, Michael. I think it's about 94 right now, but I'm ready for fall. I'm ready for NFL season. I'm ready for hockey season. I'm ready for clouds and rain, but not right now. we got another month of this to go. And then obviously we got the fire season here in Southern California, which is unfortunately... Part of the equation, but boy, there's a ton, just an absolute ton of stuff to talk about in football. So, hey, you're driving the bus, don't drive it off the road. Where do you want to go?
2: Uh, we'll start with the NFL Hall of Fame game. Uh, it was the Hall of Fame class of this year announced. Uh, there were some big, uh, big names on there. Rondé Barber, Zach Taylor, uh, sorry, Zach Thomas, uh, Joe Thomas, um, which, who's the lead, or Demarcus Ware, who's the lead guy? of uh this year's Cl- Hall of Fame class.
1: Well, it it's just a collection of really great players that all kind of started in the 1980s and spilled into the 1990s. So this is the this is the next generation. I think the marquee name and it took him forever to get to the Hall of Fame and a lot of people didn't think he was worthy was the legendary coach of the San Diego Chargers, Don Coryell. You know, he never got to a Super Bowl. You know, usually that's the high water mark of your career. Have you won a Super Bowl? He never got to a Super Bowl, but what he finally got uh, voted in is just based on the fact his contributions to the National Football League. <laughs> Granted, he won 124 games in his career in the NFL with the Chargers, and prior to that, the St. Louis Cardinals. He won 194 games in college football, the bulk of them at San Diego State. But he was just a mad scientist. He was a creative genius in what he did offensively. Really set the stage for the evolution of other great passing attacks. You know, whether it was Bill Walsh's West Coast offense, whether it was June Jones and the run and shoot, and all the stuff that's come off the Don Coryell tree. And that's why he, he got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, I was a longtime voice of the Chargers. He had just left as I was getting here, as the Chargers were going into a major rebuild. But I was working in Cleveland when, when Air Coryell was at its height. And I was working on the Browns network and Dan Fouts and those guys came in and they were throwing blue darts and they were throwing touchdown passes and they were torpedoing defenses. And that was all the X and O's genius of Don Coryell, And he had an eye for coaches. He hired Joe Gibbs. He hired um, just a wide variety of other guys, John Madden, Chuck Knoll. They all kind of came off that tree of his his coaching group so there are a lot of people that thought he should have been in in the hall of fame for his quote contributions and his creative genius took him a while to get and he's passed away uh, dan fouts is, is going to do uh, the presentation speech uh tomorrow in canton so it'll be cool but you know you, Rondé barber played 16 years in the league as a safety i mean that was one of the elite guys that came off the tony dungy uh, Tampa Bay teams. He was a fabulous player, but just think 16 years of wear and tear in the league. Uh, Joe Klecko, really tough guy nose tackle. He was kind of a cornerstone of what became the New York sack Exchange. Tremendous pass rush that the New York Jets had. Uh, Zach Thomas, 13 years with Don Shula in Miami. This was an undersized linebacker. This is a guy who came out of Texas Tech. A lot of people thought too small to play in the NFL because he played in the middle. We were always getting pounded, and he had just a fabulous career. Uh, Daryl Rivas, a shutdown corner with the New York Chess, bit controversial. He played with five teams in 11 years. He kept getting moved because of off-the-field stuff, but he was still a really, really great player. Uh, DeMarcus Ware, uh, nobody knew whether he would develop as a linebacker or as a defensive end, and he wound up playing both positions. I think he had 135 sacks, the bulk of them, obviously, with the Dallas Cowboys, finished up with Denver. So, the, I mean, this was really... a a unique group of guys that now take us to the next level. We're not talking about guys from 40 years ago. Now we're talking about, you know, the modern day guys. And of course there were two old time players, Charlie legendary cover corner the old AFL Cincinnati Bengals gets, gets elected in Um, and uh, Chuck Halley way back in the day, first time, first group of years with the old Dallas Cowboys. He was a great linebacker back in the day prior to the dick butkus era so it's it's a really it's a cool class and we're so excited for you because he was eclectic he was just a really different human being he was cut from a different cloth but boy you talk about being a front runner and bringing stuff to the nfl nobody had ever seen Bouts, kellen winslow Charlie joiner john jefferson wes chandler chuck muncie what a phenomenal team didn't play a look at defense Bouts led the world in passing so it's, it's, just, it's, it's a great ceremony. It's, it, I don't know if you ever, Mike, if you've, you've ever been there to the Hall of Fame, but put that on your bucket list. It's really, really a special place.
2: Yeah, I've been to the Hockey Hall of Fame, but never uh, baseball in Cooperstown or the Canton and, uh, for the football. But what a class. I was surprised that Don Creel hadn't already been in the Hall of Fame because he is such a, a legendary coach and had, had a big impact on the NFL. Uh, Moving on to training camps, I've been fascinated by the back and forth between Sean Payton uh, trash-talking and Nathaniel Hackett, the previous head coach, what said they didn't really have a plan and they responded that he broke uh, the code, that you don't trash-talk another coach. But it does seem like Denver is going to have a different look this season with a, a more competent coaching staff because it clearly didn't work last year
1: well hackett was overwhelmed and the stuff that was going on they i mean they couldn't get plays in from the sidelines the misuse of timeouts they looked ill prepared and then and then the it all they just they lost their offensive line with injuries you couldn't keep their wide receivers on the field uh, russell wilson was coming off shoulder surgery he didn't look right i mean it was just a disaster but i mean it shocks me that when management goes through the interview process, and they're interviewing all these different coaches. How did you not recognize what might be the inefficiency or the inability of Nathaniel Hackett to actually run a pro football team? You knew what he was as an offensive coordinator, and, of course, he had a relationship with Green Bay, but so many other facets. How did you not realize that? So they they wasted a year. Peyton comes in, surprised that Peyton criticized that that's really stepping over the line, that's not tolerated. He might get fined yet by the National Football League. And Roger Goodell had a very busy week this week because he just suspended New Orleans star running back Alvin Kamara uh, for a violent incident and a bar fight in Las Vegas. So maybe his week has been taken up with these appeal hearings. I still think that, that Peyton is, is going to get a letter from the league office with a fine because you don't step outside the circle. You don't criticize other teams' operations. It's just it's not the norm, as you as you called it, the code and and peyton's got problems now all of a sudden all, all the wide receivers that were hurt last year were all back and went through the otas and now he's lost two of them uh kj hamler is gone irregular heartbeat that's a young high draft pick that never quite got there and they just lost another one of their wide receivers tim patrick for the second straight year this time with a ruptured achilles tendon so suddenly a collective group of wide receivers that John Payton wanted to build his offense around with Russell Wilson. He's down two of his top three wideouts, so it's just it's just not easy when injuries devastate you at a critical position. And quarterback to wide receiver, that's pretty critical position. And his running back Javante Williams is coming off major knee surgery. Yeah. They don't they don't know how he's going to hold up. So Peyton's got his hands full there in Denver
2: yeah that AFC West fascinating with the Super Bowl uh, champion chiefs, I think uh, Justin Herbert and the Chargers pretty good um, and the Broncos trying to make a comeback with the Raiders as well. One other player making news this week it was the Colts and Jonathan Taylor what he's requested a trade, and the owner Jim Irsay, came out and basically said no we're not we're not trading him
1: well there, there's some real problems, and you know problem one is they've been down a quarterback for a couple of years and, and They hope that Anthony Richardson out of Florida, the rookie, the the, uh, high first-round pick, he's going to play. He's going to have to play, and they don't know whether he's going to play and hold up because the learning curve is really, really going to be steep for him. He's a gifted athlete, but he was very, very erratic with the Florida Gators. Uh, Indy's got guys coming off injuries. They don't have their top linebacker yet, Shaq Leonard. We don't know he's had two surgeries, neck and back. We don't know if he's ever going to be the same player again. Jonathan Taylor was such a heavy duty guy. Then he suffered a significant ankle injury, wound up having surgery. He's in the final year of the contract and he wants an extension. And Ursay said no. So Taylor's not in camp. And now, yesterday, his top wide receiver, Michael Pittman, kid from Ohio State, who I think's got great upside and's played well in spurts when he hasn't been hurt, he goes public and says, I want my deal redone. So he has got his hands full. I mean, it's just not a player personnel on the field. Do I have a quarterback situation? Now, none of his top running back, his top wide receiver, says he wants more money, and we don't know where they are in the offensive line because he had so many injuries last season. So it's not, not an easy time right now in downtown Indianapolis for the Colts.
2: Yeah, moving on from the NFL, Lee, it was MLB trade deadline. This week, we didn't see the huge names that we maybe thought. I was surprised that um, your San Diego Padres there, uh, you know, they're out of the playoffs. They're still going for it. But I think the biggest surprise was the New York Mets. So much um, hype coming into the season, signing Verlander, signing Scherzer. And not only do they trade those guys away, they're eating a significant part of their contracts. What do you make of uh, the Mets you know, trading those guys away, but also the Yankees not doing anything? And uh, what, the Dodgers tried to get Eduardo Rodriguez, and he he blocked them and with his no-trade clause.
1: Well, this is really complicated. Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, invested $355 million in payroll, and it's an all-time record. Uh, and then his pitching staff got wiped out by injuries to start the season. He lost his ace closer. Uh, Verlander was ailing. Scherzer started uh, on the disabled list. Carrasco, of course, is coming off cancer, hasn't been healthy. So the Mets had half a pitching staff, they just never, never got in the race. And Pete Alonso got hurt twice. Uh, so they, they ran off the white flag. I guess you'd call it a fire sale. I guess the thing that shocks me is that those two aces, Scherzer and Verlander, you could have retained them and kept them and just tried to get everybody healthy and go back into the free agent market next season. But the Mets had to pay Texas and had to pay Houston to take those guys. Uh, not only... Did they spend all this money on these contracts, they had to pick up 35 million of Scherzer's contract to make the Texas deal go. And they they paid Houston 55 million of what's left on Verlander's 96 million contract. So that's writing more checks. I will say this: they wound up getting it's either 13 or 15 prospects from all the different trades they've made. But now, now they're in total rebuild mode. And there's an intangible thing here that's happened. By virtue of them dumping all these players and dumping these salaries, there's no way johei Ohtani, the Angels' soon-to-be superstar free agent, is going to consider the New York Mets. There's no way he's going there because of what Steve Cohen just did. The Yankees, I don't understand why Cashman's doing what Cashman's doing. They have been ravaged by injuries. They got a better team on IL on and disabled list than they have on the active roster. There's so many guys hurt, but. Maybe he just he didn't want to trade what little young talent they had to go get other talent. So the people in New York are really steamed. They're excited in Houston. They're excited in Texas. What a two months of baseball we got uh, in that division between the Astros and the Rangers. And in terms of the Dodgers, it's just really complicated uh, because they asked Verlander to change the structure of his contract. They asked the Mets to pour money in to pay off a piece of the contract. And what the Dodgers were trying to do was keep as many of their young blue chip arms as they could, and made sure they had budget space to go get Otani. And when Verlander balked at throwing out the option clause, and then the Mets balked about uh, restructuring the finances of the deal, Dodgers said no. And then the Dodgers talked to Rodriguez, and Rodriguez said, hey, I belong to the union. I have a no trade clause. You can't do this to me. Give me more money. And the Dodgers said no. You got, you're worth $49 million. That's the contract. You want to play for a pennant contender? You want to stay in Detroit in last place? So they walked away from that deal. At the end of the day, the Dodgers, who opened a huge series against the Padres tonight in San Diego with first place on the line, the Dodgers kept all five of their blue chip pitchers. They're hoping to get everybody on the staff healthy within the next two weeks to be back. And they still have all their budget space to go, go get Otani. I think the Otani thing was front and center in the mind of everybody as it relates to the Dodgers and the Padres. Yeah, they were active. They filled some holes, but they didn't for the first time since they hit Perler's general manager, he didn't trade the bottom of the farm system away because he's traded that farm system away twice. They have no depth at all. A lot of good young kids coming, but that's in class A and maybe double A. And for the first time in a bunch of summers, he didn't do something stupid. So the plug-in guys they got, we'll see if they fill holes, but they've been a terrible underachiever. And Mike, they are so far back in the wild card race. I just don't know how they make up all this ground to try to pace these people down. But they got a four game crossroads series with the Dodgers that starts tonight. If they win two or three of them, then they're back in the race, and the Dodgers punch them on the mouth. I think the Padres season is effectively
2: over. Yeah, there was so much hype around the Padres. They've got a great run differential, but haven't managed to translate that into wins. Lee. I want to say thank you for joining. And I got to say, I just was alerted. You're on Instagram as well. Lee Hacksaw Hamilton Sports. Give Lee a follow in there. He's killing it close to, what, 10K followers? You got some videos on here with over with hundreds of thousands of views. Uh, incredible stuff. Lee, why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can find your work. On YouTube well, like, here as well, yes.
1: Like, if you if you like sports uh, up in Winnipeg, check my website. That's all written, LeeHacksawHamilton.com i uh, I have my own YouTube channel like you guys do. It's Lee Hacksaw Hamilton Sports. We do two big podcasts a week and then we do a ton of I guess Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We're on every platform in the world. I don't know how this works. I'm just I do the talent and I do the, the creative content. And I have a producer and a co host that's an IT whiz. So he's he's got us everywhere from uh from Beijing, China, uh to anywhere across Canada that you can access what we're doing. But uh it's it's a different landscape. Like you guys have been very successful. It's your fault. You guys taught me how to do this now, <laughs> what we've been able to do.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lee. And yes, the link to his YouTube is in the description, uh, Twitter as well. Appreciate you coming on, Lee. Thanks so much. And look forward to catching up uh, next week.
1: Mikey, have a great sports weekend. Thanks, guy.
2: Thank you. There he is, Lee Hacksaw uh, Hamilton. Yeah. I just followed him on Instagram, Lee Hacksaw uh, Hamilton Sports. Uh, appreciate him coming on. We're gonna continue the show, moving on. We're gonna be running a bit late today. I'm hosting for Hustler, but it is a big day for you know sports in Manitoba, big weekend. We had the Bombers yesterday, uh Bears tonight, the big week for the Gold Eyes. We're gonna talk with that about Andrew Collier next week, but also Monday, it's the Manitoba Derby, seventy-fifth, and I'm happy to be joined by Kurt Contois of boy Downs. Kurt, I gotta fix the name there. How's it going, Kurt? Thank you, uh so much for hopping on here. How's, how's your Friday?
8: Oh, it's absolutely awesome. We had the press conference yesterday to k- kick off the Derby and uh, the fabulous lunch. And uh, now it's getting closer and closer to the big day.
2: Kurt, I wanted to say, you know, the Manitoba Derby, it's not just about the one race. It seems like it's a celebration of horse racing in Manitoba there's activities and specials and a lot going down at the at the Downs when live racing starts at 7:30 p.m. on Monday. Yeah,
8: we got family fun day that we're doing every Monday until Labor Day. Bring the kids out, starts at 6:30, bouncy castle, face painting, clowns, a little bit of everything for them. But uh, of course on the horse racing front, the Manitoba Derby front and center, but we also have the Escape Clause that's the Philly and Mare, the older girls, the best on the grounds. They're going to go tackle each other. And then we also have the older boys race. So we have our best boys on the grounds with also a little invader that was second in the Manitoba Derby last year, Great Escape, along with trainer Robertino Diodoro's two horses in the Derby. He brought us Great Escape along just for the ride. And uh, he's another great addition to the race on Monday.
2: Yeah, looking at the Manitoba Derby, Hustler and I are going to have to get our picks in, and uh, it seems there like we
8: go. You looked at it a little.
2: Oh, I've I got the program here. I'm ready, uh, but it seems Good. like the bi- the big favorite here, Heroic, one to one odds, trained by Diodoro, who you mentioned, he's got the record four Derby wins, and he's yeah. finished what his horses finished first, second, and third last year um what is it about heroic move that makes him such a big favorite in this one
8: well it was his last two races that were absolutely outstanding yes he didn't win either of them but the competition that he faced uh the horse two outs ago scotland came back and won a winning race at saratoga and it's not easy to win races at saratoga but it was a stake race that scotland did win and heroic move wasn't far behind and then just came out of the Iowa Derby and lost by a half a length where he got in a little trouble around the turn, has an excellent running style. And every time Robertino Diodoro brings a horse to a Cinemboy Downs, it always takes a lot of money because he puts them in the right spots to win. And it looks like heroic move
2: he's done that with this year. Yeah, and Diodoro also has another horse in the race. Would you think that would be the biggest, uh, the biggest threat to heroic move? I'm trying to. I got the name here. I know it's four to one odds. A uh, B was yeah. it B? No, no. Was it B, B minor? minor? Yeah, yep, there you go. Yeah, yeah.
8: He will be the second choice in there, but uh, I like a little different horse to run second. Even though B minor does have good credentials coming in. What I do is I like to watch the replays. And replays, I think, tell things that aren't in the numbers that you see in the program. And then you can make your own assumptions. And I think that's really big because the guys who make the comments in the races, they see races a certain way. I don't always see it the same way that they do. So I like to put my own spin on it. And that's why B minor, yes, it probably will be bet down as
2: the second favorite, but I do like someone else. Okay, I was going to ask you, because Hustler and I, we bet on all the horses, and we are a big fan of the Wit horses. Now Henry Witt has uh, two horses.: Henry. He's got two, but none of them are named like Wit. They don't have like Wits 10 10 or King Wit. Is it the Wit with Manodura and green or no Mano no, Man Dura and Discovery Peak. Or his yes. two, Mano Dura at 12 to 1 odds. Would it be one of those?
8: No, it is not. Even <laughs> though Henry Wick Jr., he is flying in to come check out the races, nice. and we're setting him up nicely, as he does have so many horses here at Assiniboine Downs. And we absolutely love how much he participates in our program here. Without him, he would be sorely missed, and our field sides would absolutely shrink But yes, out of the two horses, Discovery Peak, both of those were purchased horses, not horses that he bred on his farm in Waco, Texas. So anything that is from Waco, Texas that he does breed, they all have the wit name. Manadura, for example, I think is the better of the two. He bought that horse or claimed it a couple outs ago for $50,000 US and his first uh, race here did get the win against older horses 3 year olds and up and the derby is only 3 year olds so i think that is his best bet to try and grab the win
2: so if husser and i are you know we're going to be competing and he's not may not be listening to this he's fishing right now okay. if i let's say i'm doing a trifecta for the derby yes. am i just okay. hitting lock, lock button on heroic move As number one, or is there a possible, you know, my, you know, play the odds and try to get someone else, someone else in there.
8: Well, after watching all the replays, I'm going to tell you this, I am putting it as a lock for first for me. It's going to have to give me a troubled trip for him not to be able to get there. His running style is close to the lead. So with him having that close running style, he doesn't have to weave through horses and worry about all the traffic. The only thing that'll be against him, maybe a bad break out of the gate. Post position number one is not the best post position here, but he does get a real top jockey, Enrico Walcott, who is leading rider in Alberta several times and has come to Assiniboia Down several times to ride stake races for Robertino Diodoro. So he's no stranger. But uh, definitely off the last two races, if he runs, let's say, 80% of either of those races, definitely this is the winner or the horse to beat.
2: Or the or the horse to beat. And then if you had to put, uh, who else are you putting in there? Uh, Mano Dura and... Yeah, I have to throw Mano in as a, a little bit of a horse. You can even,
8: depending how much you want to spend, say you want to put the one just for first and then... Add a few horses underneath. I would start uh, with number three. You can can, uh, go to Hustler and try and get them to pronounce that one. What do you think it is, Michael? Shibui. Oh, wow. That was great. It is Shibui.
2: Oh, there you go. A lot of people
8: had a tough time with that one, but you nailed it. Shibui. that is my second selection. This horse has run three great races, dropped into a $100,000 maiden race and absolutely destroyed them with the greatest of ease. I think this horse is a special one. They paid $145,000 after that race in auction for him, and I think he's worth every dime. If you're looking for maybe an upsetter, that could possibly be it, but I'm thinking he's second best in there.
2: Well, the uh, the Derby 75th one rose, runs Monday. The one thing I love, I did this last year, what, guaranteed? What is that? am hold on, hold on. I got mandatory here. payout. Yeah, the mandatory now, it's not... guaranteed mandatory pick four payout. pool.
8: Yes, and... the pick pick five pool.
2: Oh, mandatory it's
8: payout. It's already at six hundred thousand dollars. We expect usually bet in is triple the amount. So that's one point eight million. So the pool probably around two and a half million dollars. If you can get the sequence, if all the favorites come in. And you can bet $0.20 tickets, take a bunch of horses each leg to figure it out, it times them by each other, and that's how you can figure out your ticket. Or if you have an HPI account, like several do, Mm -hmm. it does all the work for you. You just put the numbers in, and it figures it out for you. But uh, definitely the lowest, if every favorite wins, I would say $180. If you get two long shots, $1,000. Get three long shots, five to ten thousand dollars, and that's with the one winning the last race. And if he doesn't win, wow, the prices could go through the roof and be anywhere close to a hundred thousand dollars if no favorites get there.
2: Yeah, I loved following so the pick money. For- be
8: made with not a lot of investment.
2: Yeah, you do as many like twenty cent combos. Uh, oh yeah, you, you can
8: do the quick picks if you want. You could try that route. You get five different tickets for just a dollar.
2: Yeah, I I'm gonna be in on that. So uh appreciate you coming on, Kurt. Looking forward to everything uh on Monday and we look forward to having you back on the show and best of luck with all of your selections.
8: All right, thanks. We'll try and help you out myself and stretch on ASD Live, 645 Central, as the Derby will go at about 10 o'clock at night. And that will be the last race of the pick five. And let's hope that you're alive.
2: All right. Well, thank, thank you very much. Uh, talk to you soon.
8: All right, Michael. You take care.
2: Take care. There he is, Kurt Contois, Cineboy Downs. And yes, you can watch all the races on YouTube. Make your selections on HPI Bet. They're, they're on the Twitter, a.k.a. The X, at Cineboy Downs. So uh, very, uh, very exciting stuff there with the Manitoba Derby on Monday. We are not done here we are not done i want to say the marble race is open we do have people asking uh for the marble race and exclamation mark marbles gets you in but please if you're here and you're enjoying the show uh hit the thumbs up down below the subscribe button trying to get to 10k subs and while i get this i know i'm going here. i got to get got to get the marble race ready so hustler is going to come in with the final reads Then we'll throw it to we'll talk with Andrew Collier. Big week coming up for the Gold Eyes. We're going long here. I had everything timed out to the minute, and then Ken came and went to the buffet and blew up my entire show. So uh, sorry, Ken. It was great, great talking, great talking with you. But we're going to go long. It's just bonus for everyone else. Um, Andrew. So we'll do Hustler, uh, and then Andrew Collier on the Gold Eyes. Then the Marble Race. Then I'll do a live. I'll do a live puck doku. So here's here's us. Do have to thank our friends at
7: Little Brown Jug. Long weekend is here, gang. I know there's been a lot of issues with the liquor stores and whatnot. Why not just stock up on Winnipeg's favorite local beer? And you can do that without hitting a Manitoba Liquor Mart. All you need to do is head on down to Little Brown Jug in the Exchange, William Avenue. Um, if you plan your time right, can uh, have a couple out on that beautiful patio they built at the end of last year. Uh, or if it's too hot, head inside have a few, and pick up everything you need for the long weekend. And may I suggest my personal favorite for summer drinking, the new generic lager. Um, All there at Little Brown Jug. Of course, check it out online as well as their seasonal beers, littlebrownjug.ca. And if you are getting to a beer store elsewhere, you can find Little Brown Jug wherever they sell great beer. And 1919, don't forget, is at the stadium. You can find that at the Poutinery and the hometown concession stands tomorrow on both the east and the west side. Well, I just got the email. The countdown is on. Remo will be handling the show on Friday because I am taking off to Aikens Lake, my favorite three days of the year, for some world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality from the Turin family. I'll crank out a bunch of stuff on our social media channels and hopefully... Have some monsters. It sounds like they're biting and they're big these days. A guy earlier this week from Texas caught a master angler walleye the first day of his trip. A master angler lake trout the second day of his trip. And a master angler pike the third day of his trip. Never heard of anything like that. So hopefully we're going at the right time. But it's always a great time for Aikens Lake. Incredible corporate uh, event. Maybe if you want to take out some of your top clients. Or a bit of a retreat for people that have been Zooming for the last three or four years. Find out more at AkinsLake.com. Give our pal Pitt a hit up on Twitter at AkinsLake for more information about booking into 2024 right now. All the other golf happenings always brought to you by Breezy Bend. If you're thinking about making a long-term home for you and your family at a top private golf course in Winnipeg, Breezy is the spot Get on the waiting list now, though, for 2024, because space is limited. You can do that by going to breezybend.ca or give our pal Corey Johnson, GM of the year in Manitoba, a buzz, and he'll get you on there, and hopefully we'll see you out at Breezy. Just opened the new 7th and 15th holes last week. They are
2: absolutely beautiful, and the course could not be better. Andrew, how's it going? Thank you so much for uh, coming on with me today.
9: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Hey, the Gold Eyes are on the road, but it seems like a busy week of preparations for you this week.
9: Yeah, lots going on this week. Getting ready for next week. Got some big games. The uh, the biggest of which is next Friday, August 11th, where we welcome Reggie back into town and retire his number 11. Uh, That night and earlier that day, we're having our 30th anniversary luncheon where Reggie is the guest of honor.
2: Yeah, And just uh, on the field of Gold Eyes right now on the road, big series against Kansas City, whose first place, tough stretch here uh, with three losses in a row. And they look to rebound uh, as they continue the series against KC this weekend.
9: Yeah, we got three more tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday. Hopefully, uh, scratch out some wins before we come home for a, a big six-game homestand next week.
2: Yeah, would you say uh, this upcoming homestand maybe one of the biggest in terms of off the field uh, of the year?
9: Yeah, I would say so. We got a lot packed into six games on the tenth. We start off on the eighth. Uh, At 6.30, 9th at 6.30, and then on the 10th, we have our annual shirt-off-her-backs game. That's always one of my favorites, one of our fans' favorites, where they get to go on the field each inning and take the jersey right off a player's back. And, uh, yeah, so each jersey is given away that game. And then the next day is a, a full day with the luncheon taking place at the Fairmont at noon. Still tickets available, contact Dan at goldeyes.com. If you're interested in in tickets to the luncheon, Reggie will be there. Uh, Hustle will be there. Uh, And then that night is the retirement ceremony pregame for Reggie, retired number 11. We have a 1,000 Reggie bobbleheads to give away, and then fireworks after the game. And, And the bobbleheads probably... The best bobblehead we've ever done, the likeness of, of Reggie is, is really, really good.
2: I was going to ask you actually about that because, um, you know, when you get a bobblehead, we've seen online some ones that really don't look like the guy, and that's always a big concern. But the bobblehead uh, does, does look like him. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing what that looks like. I also notice if you go to the luncheon, you, get, you do get a bobblehead as well.
9: Yeah, that's the bonus of going to the luncheon. You automatically get a ball head. You don't have to stand in line with everybody that night to get one of the thousand. If you come to the luncheon, you automatically get
2: one. Yeah, and I know Hustler will be there. Reggie, one of, one of the greatest uh, gold eyes, I think, and maybe one of the greatest players in American Association history. I know it's Mount Rushmore season where, you know, not a lot of uh, sporting news, but I would have to think Reggie would be up there for all-time Greatest gold eyes involved in championships and setting league records.
9: Yeah, for sure, his name's all over the record books in the American Association gold eyes record books. Um, the fact that he was one of the second class of Hall of Famers into the American Association after Miles Wolf last year, um, for him to go into the American Association Hall of Fame in in the second year of its existence, I think that yeah. says a lot about. Reggie what he did on and off the field and I'm just excited to see him again they haven't seen him since 2019 when he played his last game for us so that's gonna be a lot of fun
2: yeah that is gonna be Reggie great guy we had him on uh, the old station many times always great and uh, that would definitely be a highlight hustler and Brody Jackson talking with him at the luncheon Uh, another big game you're following up the Friday night Saturday, I know a friend who's a dog owner who's had tickets to this one since the beginning of the year, Bark at the Park. Now, for people who may not be aware of Bark at the Park and what it entails, uh, can you give us a a rundown here? I know there's a lot of dog lovers in our chat right now.
9: Yeah, so um, Bark in the Park has become one of our favorites, and with hundreds of dogs here, it's, it's always interesting. Uh, during the game to see that many dogs sitting in the stands and wandering around the concourse, it's a lot of fun. If you go to Goldeyes.com, all the details about how to get tickets and how to register your dog uh, to come to that game, everything is there. It's uh, it's always one of our favorites. It should be a, a great night.
2: I'm sure it's all different types of dogs running around. And what you have a dog concessions? You have to open that up for a bark at the park.
9: Uh not sure what concessions, but we do have uh, areas for them to do their thing um oh, okay. outside of the ballpark. Um and we make sure everything is all cleaned up throughout the
2: game. Oh I'm sure I'm sure a lot of additional precautions uh taken for that one. Uh I know Bark of the Park, especially in, you know, among what baseball in North America, other stadiums, becoming a pretty common thing, and I love seeing the Goldey's uh have their own edition of bark at the park and um one other one sunday that we're giving away the trip to see uh, the polar bears in churchill
9: yeah this is a great package sponsored by calm air and uh good people in churchill it's a trip for two uh airfare included tundra buggy tour to see the polar bears uh hotel it's about a sixteen thousand dollar package and all you need to do to win is be at the game, and it's going to be a random draw for everybody that's in attendance.
2: Well, I'm looking at uh, the weather, if it's anything like it is tonight. Should be another great one. We had a great evening at Shaw Park. Uh, was it last week already? Oh, my God. Time time flies here. feels like it was longer than that, but it was only a week ago. Great time. Looking forward to the game's. Next week, and inducting a Gold Eyes legend into the the Hall of Fame there, or sorry, retiring his jersey, uh, Reggie Abercrombie. So, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. We hope to see you at the ballpark next week. Sounds great. Thanks, Michael. All right, there it is. Andrew Collier, GM of the Gold Eyes, big homestand next week. Uh, Shout-out to Brass Bonanza in chat, said that they purchased 16 tickets. Uh, for out-of-town family. uh, That's awesome. Hopefully there is good weather on Tuesday. The Reggie game is Friday, VA Split Friday, which we, I think I mentioned during that interview with uh, Andrew Collier. Hopefully I did. Anyways, last call for marbles, exclamation mark marbles in chat. We got the racetrack on a new track. It's going to be good when I tested a few last week. We're ready to rock. Uh, last call. And if you are here and you haven't, Hit the, hit. I don't even think it's red right anymore. Hit the subscribe button below. The thumbs up. We heard we got over 200, 218 likes. Shout out to all the 270 in chat who stuck around waiting uh, for this marble race. Um, anyways, Friday, end of the show. Uh, it's been quick. We've had so many guests. Thank you, everyone who's come on. Uh, Ed Tate off the top. Ken Weeb. We had Mike Morielli, Andrew Collier, Kurt Contois, and Hacksaw. I see everyone who hasn't hit the marble button. Wow, I thought everyone had already had. We have over 188 entries. We got a new track. And before we close it off, I do want to address one thing, which hasn't been mentioned on the show. If you've tuned in the last two days, you'll notice that I am wearing glasses. I see a lot of people saying, when did Remo get glasses? blah, 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 I got them this week. I wasn't gonna wear them on, on the show, but I've realized since getting them that I really can't see the monitor as well anymore, and they have certainly helped making everything more clear for me, so I appreciate that. People are asking if I'm gonna get contacts. I, I'm taking one step at a time. Here, guys, this is my first time with glasses, um, and again, it looks very clear. Uh, I did not think it was that bad before, but my wife had urged me to get them checked. After seeing the brightness on my phone is at, uh, what, 100%? I'm reading to my son, and I have to use the light on my phone to see. Um, So I went with her to pick them out. So thank you, because I don't think if I went solo, uh, I may have picked the wrong pair um so thank you mary jane says "I look good so i like them for they're very good for me for the computer i can see way better when you know throwing people over the top rope in chat Just kidding i can see better when entering the marble race all that so uh and driving as well that will be key for me uh sure to patrolman pete says 100 percent brightness. So i'm gonna close the marble race i'm gonna close it and and enter them all and iHeartGaming, I know you're getting impatient, we'll get to the marble race very soon, I did want to mention, I know Hustler, I don't think he's going to be listening this far, only only the, the most serious fans, and people who know about the end of Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, listen to the very, very end, that's when we get into the best topics, but I was at the Bomber game, and Hustler would be upset with me, I went to pay for a drink, um, with my card, of course, because they do not accept they don't accept cash there anymore. And I was that guy. I go to tap my card, and what the tap of my card never worked. I don't know if I'm not holding it there long enough. I go to do that, and but then I got to bring my phone out and fumble with that. So it, I was not as quick as maybe it would have been uh, with a dollar bill. But we've gotten in, into the cash versus card debate so many times on this show, and yeah, I'll just say, if Hustler, if I was, Hustler was behind me in the beer line yesterday, he would not have been happy with me. Uh, not have been happy. Also, And also, I was paying with my phone the other day, and as I'm paying with my phone, as I'm paying with my phone, uh, what, someone's phoning me, and I couldn't pay because the phone was coming, and I didn't want to be rude and send them to voicemail right away. Uh, so, we'll fi- they'll figure it out. Anyways. I have 192 marble names in, and uh, in I'll add. We also like to add additional names. I'll add in Hustler because he's not here. I'll add in Hacksaw. I'll add in Mike Morial for joining. Kurt Francois was in. Ed Tate was in on today. Andrew Collier and Weeb. And this week we did have some incredible guests. If if you missed them. Go go watch! I know Rashid Bailey was excellent. Uh, Jelani Watson, Gale from the Sea Bears, and I'm typing these in as I'm talking. Uh, who else? Who else was? I think that was. Oh yeah, Gareth Wheeler. We got an email about him. We'll we'll throw in Eddie Steele, former CFLer from Winnipeg. So we'll throw in Eddie Steele as well. Um, but yeah, check out if you check out uh, the shows earlier this week. Not as time sensitive. The Gareth Wheeler, We got a nice, very nice email. Someone who'd enjoyed his musings on Canada soccer. So we have. I've got a full list. Two hundred and two marbles in two hundred two. Connor Theo Seeger says, "Shout out to Connor McDavid's agent, his former, his former agent, who's now what the CEO of the Oilers." Shout out to Kyle. <laughs> Sending money. I told him I'd send him a t-shirt. Yes. I owe him a WST t-shirt. Kyle, I do owe that to you. Send me a reminder on DM. Uh, Can't forget Yoshi. That was on uh, Bonfire. That wasn't here, but Bonfire was great. So Marble. I'm going to save this file. Marbles. Og. Four. There we go. We're going late today. Uh, Hassler gave me the keys to Winnipeg Sports Talk, and now I'm running with it. We're never going off. Uh, Just kidding anyways it's time for the marble race i'm gonna throw in uh throw in the it's time for tristan rivers to hit the music
7: it's friday another week of work's gone by you deserve to treat yourself maybe
2: Ah yes, there it is. Tristan Rivers music, in the style of Metallica. How could I not go with that one? Uh, we're gonna throw it on, and I'm I'm excited. This is the part where I get to show off my play by play skills in the Marble Race. I don't usually get to do it. It's always Hustler who's doing the play by play. One second. Here we go. All right, and what Hustler's always. Let me move myself over here. You're on the podcast. You're gonna be missing out on this one. Anyways, I'll do my best at the play. We're going in. So last week we introduced some new marble tracks. I found the community ones. We're going with last year we or last week we did adorable, awkward, anger, and this one we're going with adorable busy area. Shout out to Lemon Cloud GT. I think. Hustler was calling them Lemon Drop QT yesterday, which, that's fine. Anyways, here's the race. I did test it. We got 202 marbles in there. Adorable, busy area. Here we go. Three, two, one. We're off. Now, they're starting at the top of a looks like a little turf area going down the Plinko thing. Everyone's in it. They're all the way down. And who's in? Terminator's in first. They're coming out of this little tube here. Cruiser24. He's in first. Bob McCulloch. Winnipeg Walter. That's Winnipeg Walter. XX Revolution. And here comes a funnel. They're all going in. It's like a funnel within a funnel. Oh, people are going over the top rope. Broil Sports Payable. Hustler. Todd. Acid Washed Jeans. Dave the Fantasy. Vanishing Point. All. Over the top rope, but who is going to come out of this funnel first? And there's a number of people onto the circulating board. Jeff Doiron is in there. Frosty, XX Revolution, Kurt Contois, who just came in with the Cinnaboy Downs picks. It's very slow moving. Who's going to come off the board and go on to the next section? It is Jeff Doyron, Kurt Contois, XX Revolution, Ken Weeb going down the slide. And they're coming in another obstacle. It's a spinny. Bar, there's two of them, knocking them around. Jeff Doran, Kurt Cantwell getting knocked ahead. Getting the bump. Frosty's getting ahead, but it is Jeff Doran going through this other obstacle. And they're coming up to an elevator, it looks like. But who's going to get out first? Ken Weeb, way in there. And oh, it's Ken passing Jeff. He's coming in with speed. He's going through, what is that? like? The hurdles here, it's backgammon? I don't know what that thing is, but there's that obstacle and a spinny tube. And going into the spinny tube first, it is Jeff. Do I run? He's still in there. Kurt Cantois is in there. Mike G has entered the chat. And it's the Ferris wheel. Who's going to come out of the Ferris wheel first? Mike G slips through. Kurt slips through. And these brand new obstacles in these community maps. It is crazy. And Mike G is way ahead. Mike Moriali, CEBL commissioner, is behind him. We got the two mics. Oh, Mike G. What happened there? Mike G, he's gone. Oh, my God. He looked like he was in first. And Kurt Contois is now into the ball, into the hamster ball. Ken Weeb, see ya. They're dropping like here. Mike Moriali, Eric Crewald, Bye-bye, Eric. Nice to see you in here. Nicole J is in the ball. Moose 3 is in the ball. Colorado Lowe's in the ball. Who's going to follow the ball first and win? It is Kurt Contois winning the marble race. And the WST hoodie, a.k.a. the gold jacket. Shout out uh, to Kurt, who fell out of the ball into the finish line. That was wild. Colorado Lowe's, two. Nicole J, three. Moose, three, four. Merle Peters, five. Greg Hasbeak, six. Royal Sports Team Sales, seven. K Gouts, eight. Giovanni uh, Fiorlo uh, nine. Ross Ransby, ten. So Ross did have a side bet. Versus his guy, Bozeman, uh, he won because he is 10. So I don't know if Ross gets to send home his staff early. But as they all come through, uh, there are a number of, it's that last finish. There's no like bar at the side. So they come out of that Ferris wheel and slide off. A number of marbles who looked like they were going to win. Mike G, that uh, was Mike G, fell at the end. And Ken Weeb fell got crazy there, but it was Kurt Contois winning. So we owe, Kurt a, we owe Kurt a WSD hoodie. Man, doing play-by-play. That was hard. Well, it is 3, 333 here. <laughs> We're coming in the end of the show. I did promise a live puck doku. I'm going to do it as quick as I can. I already, to be honest. Brant Batters coming in. Here comes the fire. It's going to eat up John D if he can't get through. And John D is done. Brant Batters. Could he be our final finisher? There it is. Kurt Contois. Let me get my mouse in there. Kurt Contois with the win. Shout out to Kurt. Uh, Colorado Lowe's. Nicole J. Moose 3. I did the top 10. I'm going to scroll. Andrew Collier. Man, a lot of our guests. This is why I I put in too many guests. I could have put in everyone. I could have put in Gareth Wheeler. Better put in whoever, but I did not. Uh, I see L. Tom in there, Bardo in there. Nineteen, she said she's going to the Sea uh, Bears game. David Asplund to T Bone, former winner. Patrolman Pete Waiters, Chris traveler's fur coat. We didn't mention Streveler, one for seven yesterday. Tristan Rivers, thirty nine, did that great theme song. Uh, MC Stormy Bailey, Rob Mahoney in there. Derek Schmidt, Dallas uh, Sean Blisko, former winner. Gene O'Crillin, Mean Gene, i got to watch this year, or this week's Dark Side of the Ring, Bash at the Beach 2000 for all you wrestling fans. Eric Durleafson, Dan Jets fan, Kevin Kowalko Man, a lot of familiar names. I think everyone's a familiar name because got so many people. So shout out to everyone who is still here. I'm going to scroll down all the way. Jan- Jelani Watson, Gale 108. Look at all these. dot. Do not finish. Ed Tate didn't finish. Alex How, Kyle, all caps, Mike Clay, Gregory Levelpool didn't finish. a lot of non-finishers, the. Yeah, M. Sheldon, Sixter, iHeart Gaming, who delayed filming a video, uh, did not totally not finish. That's unfortunate. All right, well, let's... I was teasing the live the live puckdoku this entire show. And I know I'm way over. Houser's going to be mad. It's Friday. I'm running the show. I'll do whatever whatever I want. <laughs> uh, I got to get these pods up, I know. So here, I already did the PuckDoku, so we'll do the other one. ImmaculateGrid.com. So if you're not familiar with this, uh, what they have a grid. This is for podcast listeners. I haven't looked at this yet. We're going to do it. A top The top and a bottom. you got to match the top grid. Flyers, Avs, 300 wins career. Oh, man. And Blackhawks, Leafs, Blues. Okay. This is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. So, okay, we need a blah. I don't even know if I can do this. Blackhawks, Flyers, Dan Carcillo. I don't even know. This is so much more pressure than doing it at home. Come on. It's not giving me the names. Well, that's gonna be tough. Oh, this, I mean, feel so much more pressure. Well, it's not. It's not going. What the h? Come on, three hundred wins. Let's go, Hasek for Chicago. It's not loading any of the names. What this is this bogus?
1: Okay, wait, one sec.
5: great.com dot Okay,
2: let me try this one more time on a different browser. Okay, let's try this again. We'll do this live Immaculate Grid. I'll do it on Edge. Okay, Blackhawk. someone who played for the Blackhawks and won 300 games. I'll do Dominic Cassick. It's not loading. I can't even do it. It worked better on mobile, I guess. F. I hyped this whole thing up. I was so pumped to do it. I got all the stuff. And uh, I can't do it now. It's hard to think. I would already did the puck doku. Like, why is this not working? F, all right. Well, that's, uh, that's it for that. Anyways, I should probably end the show anyways. Um, hey, thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks to all our guests. Appreciate you guys uh, coming out. And thank you so much. Have a great weekend, everyone. It was a great Bomber game yesterday. Uh, we're done here. I got I got all the all the names. Yeah, it does they're not loading? So screw this. Well, I can show you my puckdoku. I already did it. Is puckdoku Olympic gold? This is what I did for mine. Like this one works. I got againla a Brewer Olympic golds flames againla Olympic gold Oilers Eric Brewer Olympic gold, uh, Avs. Rob Blake. This is what I had. This was the best Avs. I did Avs. <laughs> Avs blue jackets mad calvert former guests oilers blue jackets i uh ray no 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 uh what did i do for this one did i do ray whitney i did ray whitney for one jeff sanderson for the other i'm getting confused uh this one was ray whitney oilers hurricanes was ray whitney oilers blue jackets jeff sanderson i got flames uh carolina how could i not do this one trevor kid and i did flames uh flames blue jackets eric goodbranson eric goodbranson there you go don't want to get him mixed up and then flame and then avs avs hurricanes you can use wheelers so i did andre nicolation there you go that was mine uh, there it is. Anyways, have a great weekend, everyone. Appreciate everyone who's came out, said hello. Uh, thank you so much. Bye-bye.
8: Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go. Home!
2: Thanks for tuning
9: in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube
1: and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.